Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Okay. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I'm JB, alone in the rugby dungeon. In fact, I'm feeling very lonely, but not that lonely actually, because down the line is Tim from a travel tavern. <laughs> I really am living the partridge life today. Wow. Uh, sorry, I can't be with you. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in the Heathrow flight path um, in the glamour of Feltham. Somewhere convenient uh, for a flight to Glasgow tomorrow. Now, I don't want to call. Hadn't having been at uh, Saracens today. I don't want to cause a rift. I hate to cause a rift, but I tell you what. I bet you Nick Mullins and Uga Monia don't have to stay in a travel tavern. I bet they're five star somewhere. <laughs> well, they were all at the boxing last night. As of well. course they were. Of course, how the other half live? It, I know it's us and them, isn't it? Just I like to keep it real. Anyway, more's the point. Keeping it very real. Uh, real is Phil down the line because he is at home whilst his wife is on call. So Phil, by doing this podcast, is literally saving lives. Literally, what a hero! <laughs> I, am, I I like to uh, steal the valor, stolen glory. I am a hero. Yeah. Now <laughs> you can't see Phil obviously because it's a podcast, but he reminds me of I'm going to say the late. I don't know if he's dead, but let's go with it. he is dead. The late Mings Campbell, do you know the way that he was kind of, his caricature was known as like sitting there with a blanket o- o- over his knees. That's sort of how Phil looks. I do, I do have, I'll just tilt the camera slightly. I do have a blanket over my knees. And is it not tartan? Little tweed, little tweed blanket over wasn't my it, knees. Didn't, F, didn't FDR have, uh, didn't he have a blanket over his legs with wheelchair? I think he might have. I think he might have. But I think that, I'm not actually sure if Mings Campbell ever did that. Or it was just a caricature of Ming Campbell. But anyway. It's such an amazing reference to pluck out uh, early into a podcast. I'm impressed at where we've set the bar. Exactly, exactly. Hey, uh, do you know what? I feel like we've actually been semi-professionals this weekend. Go on. It's been a a long time since we we could say that. Go on. Well, (laughs) Tim's actually been uh, been to, well, his job, which is watching rugby at Saracens Exeter. Uh, Phil did something rather journalistic, which was nip down to watch Manchester Furswood. And I saw one of the most remarkable rugby scenes I have ever seen in my life. It was incredible as I went down to watch Coldy versus Sale FC. The big one. It was unbelievable. I, I've never seen anything like it. I, I mean, I really haven't. The more I think about it, the more incredible the whole thing was. I want to hear about it. Let me, for anyone who wasn't, uh, doesn't understand, we did mention it on last week's pod, uh, just to set the scene. This was effectively a playoff. It wasn't literally a playoff, but it was effectively a playoff for promotion to the championship 
from National One between yeah. top of the side Col- uh, top side Coldy and second side Sale FC, and this happened at Coldy. And I gather, according to the the rugby paper, the attendance was over three thousand. It 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 felt about that ballpark, yeah. And Coley's got no stands, so everyone's standing by the edge of the pitch. There's a little hill, which people sat on, loads of kids everywhere. And the best thing about it was, by far the best thing, and it's something which I've never seen before. Well, I'll tell you after this, because you can find us on Twitter. Uh, Tim, what's our Twitter? In fact, what is our Twitter status now, Tim? No one, uh, no one goes on it. So don't bother with bother us with Twitter. Occasionally. I posted a couple of, I posted your photo and video yesterday. Yeah, if you want us on Twitter, DM us, because we're not going to respond... If you just at us, we just won't do it. No one watches the Twitter account. It's pointless. Uh, so you can do that. Which some, some people who were at the game yesterday were tweeting going, where are you? I'll come say hello. So I don't know if anyone found you. Yeah, uh, one guy did, uh, um, uh, Otis and Matthew. Um, but yeah, good. That, yeah, good, fine. Um, or oh, oh, Contact is at gmail.com, getting loads of good stuff there. So email us with your yeah. thoughts. And Patreon, uh, of course. Patreon.com forward slash eggchasers, where you can support us, get extra content there. And a thank you very much to everyone that does. Yeah. So first thing about this game, okay, was Sale FC and Coldy. This will be the the highest level of rugby any team has ever played. And the weirdest thing about the whole Coldy experience was the crowd. The crowd are like nothing I've ever seen. Because, well, think about this. Coldy is not exactly what you'd call a a population hub, is it? It's not a densely populated area. In fact, it's in the middle of countryside, effectively. And the entire crowd were massive because it turns out most of the crowd have either played rugby for Coldy or have some sort of rugby relation. I mean, you, there's very few just Coldy fans. You follow Coldy because you probably played for them or against them or you're somehow connected to rugby. In addition to that, the crowd were incredibly knowledgeable because if you just listened to the conversations, like, oh yeah, that should be a wiper kick or you know, he should be drawing a penalty from that. And again, that is from the fact that it's not like a premiership crowd where people go, oh, yeah, I'd quite like to watch some rugby or an international crowd. I'm pretty sure like over half, half the people there at some point played. So everyone's massive. Everyone's knowledgeable. And it was very, very, very odd. And everyone is incredibly noisy. Uh, now, I was there to support FC, Sale FC, because the other thing which is really important about this game is whoever goes up effectively, I guess, is going to win access to all of the Sale Sharks Academy lads. Because that's what Sale Sharks want. They want a team in the championship within spitting distance where they can send all the Sale Jets for matchday experience. So whoever wins uh, basically gets the best players who play for FC and and Sale Jets, I I, I guess. So Coldy will have uh, quite a few resources next year. Um, And even though I was there to watch FC and support FC, you couldn't help but really be happy for Coldy. It was... Just incredible. I mean, it, it's a local club. Um, they do obviously have money because this this stuff isn't cheap, but it's not on the level that Sale, uh, Sale FC would have, presumably. You know, they don't have much in the way of um, infrastructure and stadiums. In fact, there is no stadium. Uh, people are complaining about them coming up, but they went, went up. And the other thing about this game as well is there's absolutely loads of stardust. So would you care to, care to guess who was playing for Coldy, who I was completely starstruck by? Uh, well, Nick Royal as the winger is oh. one well-known well name. Yep, it's not him, though. Okay. 
Uh, is it someone we know, someone we will have seen? Yeah, that, I'll, I'll give you some context to like, what level we're talking about. When I went to Wasps um, with uh, Paul, Paul, Go- Paul Godfrey from Pilot, Pilot Episodes and Carol Horderman, the person I was most excited to see was Sean Perry. So I saw Sean, Sean Perry across the room. And I was like, oh my God, that's Sean Perry. And eventually he came over to, came over to talk to us. I was more nervous about talking to him than I was talking to uh, Malachi Fakatoa. Uh, right, so that's the, that's the, sort of, that's the stature of, of the guy. Not, phys- not physical, but as in reputation. That level of premiership player. It's, it's not because um, Dixon, Dixon. Close, close. Sam, Sam Dickinson. Sam Dickinson played. What a hero! He plays at Coldy. He does, mate. He's he started there, didn't Saints he? number eight. Didn't he win the? He won the Premiership at number eight. He did. He did. Yeah, um, but he started at Coldy, didn't he? He did before he he went to Northampton. Yeah, and his brother also plays. Okay, so that that yep. that was very cool. On the oh, that's lovely. Yeah, on the sale side, they had uh, Fergus Mulcrone off the bench. James Harper was never Nev Edwards. Nev Edwards was playing, killing, killing it. it. Um, that's a niche reference, isn't it? <laughs> Some people will, will remember that from the podcast years ago, and will love that. Um, they had uh, Con- Connor Doherty playing. They had James Harper playing, who is obviously got a massive reputation. Um, and also, they've got a, a fly half called James. Uh, name escapes me. Robbins. But, James Robbins. Thank you, mate. And I think that that guy will end up in the Premiership. I, I thought, even though with all those players around him, he was still the more probably the most talented player on the field. I thought, I thought he looked awesome. But despite all that talent that Sale had, Coldy were just a better team. They were just a better team. Their lineup was better. Their defense is outrageous. I mean, the way they work for each other is amazing. Um, and I think that the 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 big takeaway here is oh. there's rugby outside the Premiership. So if there's a national yeah. one or a Championship club near you next season. Get along, uh, Tim. There was a pitch invasion. There's an actual pitch That's, invasion. Yeah. I know the, the video you the video you recorded. I don't get this right. I, just let pitch invasions happen. I know the grounds take a long time to mow or whatever the groundsmen say. I know it's going to upset them. But since when have they been our priority? Um, and they I, normally let them on the last day of the season. Do they though? Yeah, generally I think so. I mean, when, I there's just, something, when there's something to celebrate, yeah. Do you know, I think I'd make it mandatory. I think I'd get all of the stewards behind the crowd and start shooing them on with, like, cattle prods and stuff. <laughs> That's what I think I would do. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's just incredible scenes. It's just, it was just amazing. It's just, I, I've never, ever seen in my whole life in rugby anything as cool as that. The game was actually not very good. But um, it was, it was, it was, it was 10 9. Did it finish 10-9? So, so it was 10. 39 it was, I think. Oh, okay. I think. Okay. Uh, but, I mean, it was seriously tense. Both teams did not want to score. <clears throat> it was not the highest quality game that you'll ever see. Defence was good. Both teams were good enough to get into each other's red zones. Red zone efficiency was absolutely terrible. Coldy's line-out was, was better than sales. That is the end of it. In Brilliant team, occasion. But the I'm, occasion. I'm very glad you were there. I, I saw you in the morning... Um, uh, when you were walking your dog, you walked up my street, and I, I was—I uh, really wanted to go. I'm kind of glad I didn't now. I, I, honestly, when I because I, oh, even though we're plugged into rugby, even though I'm pl- plugged into rugby, I had no idea how big this event was going to be. And as soon as you came over the hill towards Coldy, and you just saw fields and fields of cars, you went, "Bloody hell, what is going on here?" Oh, and they had flares. The fans had flares. It was like Istanbul. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. It was very cool. Yeah, we saw some brilliant rugby. 
the weather just helped, doesn't it? It was uh, it was an ace weekend of rugby, and it threw up some really interesting results. Didn't it just? Didn't it just? Um, which games has everyone, has everyone seen from the Premiership? Uh, so I watched Friday night. Uh, I watched most of the Leicester Quinns game, mm-hmm. and then I had on in the background while I was cooking a roast the uh saracen's exit game well and I, then hi- highlights of everything else as well well i guess as i've spoken about a game that i was at it makes sense to speak about the game that tim was at as we've got first-hand uh evidence of what happened yeah um so saracens look ominously good don't they i got to agree with you yeah i mean that was that was a bit of a statement kind of performance in particular that second half they were it was actually a little bit frightening how impressive they were. Yeah. And, the, and and Owen Farrell's point at the end was, yeah, it's good. We've got a long way to go, and uh, but, but, but it's a step in the right direction, which is what frightened me. Well, the, the interesting thing will be that they've seen the, the other two contenders play off against each other in what is a, a pre-run of one of the semi-finals or finals, so they know the standard that's been set by Quinns and Leicester because they are both playing some very, yeah. very nice rugby. So that that is the standard. They will be, Saracens will be looking at the standard, standard set on Saturday and saying, we've got to be better than that. And I think they were, I think they were of that standard, but they know to win the premiership, which is obviously their objective, they've got to raise it. Yeah. Just on yeah. Saracens oh. and the Owen Farrell comment, yeah. we need to be better. I think that comes from a place of knowing how good Saracens have been in the past. And obviously, they're going to have to go through a rebuild. They're going to have to play by the rules and the salary cap and all that nonsense. So I think that's where that comes from, isn't it? We know where we can be. We know what it takes. And I think he thinks, at least, that they're on the right path to recreating it. Unbelievably, even without the money, I, I think he's probably... I don't think they'll ever be as good as they were, because you can't do that without the sheer amount of cash that they were spending. But I think they'll come something close eventually. So I, I think that's where that's where that comment comes from. Even so, they are not nearly the team that won the Premiership last um, last time they last time that they did it. And in my mind, that means that this is the most open Premiership in terms of the top three teams that qualify that I've seen in a long time. Because there's hardly anything to pick between Leicester Tigers and, and, and Harlequins, and I would not be confident of Saracens beating either the either of those two at all. Actually. I mean, I, I think it's very, very finely balanced. So I, I think I think those three, you can, on any given day, any one of those three can beat any of the other ones. I don't think there's anyone far and away the better team. Completely agree. But I think those three are far, head and shoulders above any other team in the Premiership. I yeah. think those three are a cut above. The league table certainly demonstrates that. It's worth pointing out that Saracens today were without Max Malins. Mm-hmm. Without Marutoji, without Mako Vanapola. Yeah. To name a few. Now, very, very influential men. Yeah. Now, I'm going to say something which I think is going to upset a lot of listeners. It certainly upsets me when I think about this. Um, I think Rob Baxter is really panicked. And I think the flaws in his team can be fixed. I'm not sure he can fix them, though. I'm not sure that, I mean, he might be able to. But I, I think they've got a real, real fundamental problem in what they're doing now. So, what what do you think that problem is? So, this is going to sound. I mean, we obviously spoke about the, spoke about the latch, but I had to think about this today. Why is that so important? 
And it's not important because it gets you over the gain line per se. It does. It does. But there's many ways to get over over gain line. And I don't think it is such an advantage that removing it destroys your whole game. So what Exeter have to do now is they have to carry the ball. And when you carry the ball without a latch, you have to make a decision. When you decide to latch on as the the latchy or the, sorry, the latcher to the latchy, you're effectively making the decision for the ball carrier that he has to go forward. Would you agree with that? Say that again. So if you're catching the ball and someone's latched on to you, the person that's latched on to you has basically made the decision for you. You're going forward. Uh, yes. You're carrying but... the ball. You're, you're not passing that ball. You're not kicking it. Okay. Away, like with a so, latch. Uh, so yeah. So once someone's latched on, you're not. It's not going to be a spiral. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it's not going to be a drop goal. So, yeah. because they're not latching, I think the players are finding themselves in this situation where they're starting to make decisions, and they're making all of the wrong decisions. So, at certain times, you could see that Exeter could cut open Saracens, particularly in the first half. But quite often, they were making passes when they shouldn't make it, and when they did have success, and Skinner scampered over. That was from persistent carries, one out, getting over the gain line, just like the old Exeter. But because they are not forced into making the decision of going forward now, it's not so much the physical impact of the of the latch, it's more the impact of the decision-making. When they're disciplined, they still look pretty good, but they're not. And also, they've got this weird incentive, which they never used to have, which is just get it to Stuart Hogg, get it out wide. And the last thing which I think is a real show of desperation for Baxter. Unless, Tim, you've got some other angle on this because you were at the game and something was said, is playing Henry Slade at 10. Like Joe Simmons was available and he is their their fly half. To me, throwing Henry Slade at fly half is a hope, not a plan. And then you look across at Saracens and they are playing their systems, they're playing their processes and that's why they're so bloody good and they can miss all those influential men. Well, I, I think Exeter went there expecting not to win, actually, and they made all the wrong decisions with the ball in hand, and they're sort of looking at their best player, Henry Slade. And this is like this is a tactic that many teams have used. Just put your best player at 10, whether it be France and Entomac, which worked pretty well, Colwyn Bay with Pat Leach, um, uh, Scotland. Scotland used Stuart, Stuart, Stuart Hogg at, at 10. And for me, that is a sign of absolute desperation. In fact, I'm going to go one further. I wouldn't be surprised to see some coaching changes in the extra ranks in the next few weeks. Well, Rob Baxter said before the game that it was that he said Joe hasn't been at his best and he wanted to take some pressure off him because he said, he, in a funny way, Joe cares too much. Maybe he might not use the words too much, but he cares so much that it's actually. He's been trying. I got the basically. I think Rob Baxter was saying Joe Simmons has been trying too hard, and it's just not happening. I actually thought Henry Slade played really well. The I did. first half, he he was taking the ball to the line. I was expecting him to take a lot longer to get into it, but he he looks very natural in in the ten roll. So, and the first half, Exeter had most of the possession, were five points up on the scoreboard at half time, and mm. I think it was sort of it looked at that point vindication for Rob Baxter. I think what's really important is to acknowledge Exeter were, with, were without, and Saracens are without players. I'm not making an excuse for the result, but they're without four British and Irish Lions. Mm-hmm. Key cogs in their line out, which has been really poor this season, which is something they rely on. And 
and also Nick White. I keep coming back to Nick White. Mm. World-class scrum half. And, you know, Sam Maunder had some good moments today. That there's um, Stuart Townsend when he came on looked handy, but they're not Nick White. And mm. he is he's probably the biggest individual loss of any player on any team in the last few years in the Premiership. He's that... He, he's been that important a, a miss for Exeter. And maybe, you maybe those the... things. Yeah, so you put all those things together, and it it, it, it has a a compounding effect. Maybe that's one of the reasons why Simmons is not playing as well because Nick White. I think he's a, a marvelous, marvelous player. Um, but he he is also he can play the petit general type role. He can play almost as a a ball player off off nine. Whereas Maunder and Townsend, or Maunder, Maunder and Townsend, as the the options that they've got at the moment are, they're good, solid players, but they're not they're not international caliber ball playing nines, and that means that your ten has got to do more of the work. So, if, if you wanted a solution, Exeter, open the checkbook and just go and get Jack Van Portfleet whatever he wants, double his money from <laughs> Leicester. Just you know, genuinely because. Well, because he's not playing that as much as his talent maybe demands at Leicester. And uh, mm. they need to solve that nine issue, I think. The, the other thing, you, you mentioned the um, Slade. Slade I, I thought he did play well in that first half. And he he set up that, um, it was the Skinner try, wasn't it? It was a Hepburn carry that sucked two players in and then Slade reads it. I thought the I thought the Exeter centre partnership with the... The bullocking bulldozer, the rhinoceros that is Ian Witten, rampaging on the outside channel, and then the diminutive little <laughs> annoying little wasp that is Tom Hendrickson buzzing around uh, in the twelve shirt. Yeah, uh, well, obviously, I, I, I disagree with your um, uh, analysis of the Colossus, which is Tom Tom, Tom Hendrickson. Um, yeah, look, the weird thing about this is you didn't drop. He didn't drop Slade for Simmons, did he? He dropped Simmons for uh, Witten or Hendrickson because Slade always plays, and you've got probably one of the best centres in, in in the country, if not the world, moved into fly half. I don't buy the Simmons cares too much, and I also am not entirely sure that. I mean, I think Nick White does matter oh, in fly. Do, do you buy? Do you buy that Simmons hasn't been playing very well? Which Rob Baxter basically said, yeah, not not, not those uh, words, which yeah, is fair, I'm, isn't it? I buy that. I think everyone's not, not been playing well. I, I don't think it's like a case of, yeah, Simmons is, isn't the boy. I would be looking across, you know, the back row who've, who have not been carrying well, except for, say, um, Don, not Don Armand, the other one, De, uh, De, like Dave Ewers. I'd look at the, I'd look at the props that have only recently rediscovered like how to scrimmage again. I would look at the second rows and the hookers who have missed their timing. I, I just don't think it's a valid thing to say. And I'm not saying he is putting the blame on, on, on Simmons. I just don't... I, I, it's just not something which I particularly have seen. At least well, he's, 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 he's not, not played any worse than anyone else. He's he's trying not to put the blame on Simmons. That's, yeah. uh, that's why he's saying he, he cares so much, or but right, you, however he phrased it. But, you know... Yeah, and well, no, just, just, just go back. So extra 15-10 at half-time. Yeah. Just before half-time, they get held up over the line. At, yeah. like Stupid uh, laws. And then, and then in the second half... Um, Several times, Exeter could have legitimately gone in twelve points up at half time, 
and uh, and it has the game has a very different complexion. You've got to credit Saracens that that, that third mm. quarter of the match they were yeah, but... absolutely magnificent. And Owen Farrell, but both in the eighty minutes as a player. But I tell you what, when the one thing you don't get from the telly, which you see when you're there, and particularly when I'm very fortunate enough to be able to stand pitch side before the game in the warm up, the aura that man has and the and the respect he commands off other people is incredible yeah i mean certainly that is the case in, in the saracens camp and the well the camps that he's involved with um you made me think of something then tim yes saying about saracens i think the impressive part about saracens is they kind of figured out what extra were about no doubt they knew exactly what extra about before the game anyway but probably just confirmed in their minds what what they thought and then they and then they went to work if Exeter had made the right decisions, and I'm not talking like the big decisions, I'm talking about the small decisions, carry, uh, get over the game line. Remember, it took Exeter something like, you know, it'd regularly take them something like 20 odd phases to get over the game line. They can still do it. They can still do it. And they did it. Well, the two, the two tries they scored were from extended phase plays. Exactly like my point. Of old. And there was no answer from Saracens. They were completely blank. So why on earth did they not stick to that? That is simply a decision-making process. It doesn't require much skill no, to execute. No, it is because they weren't allowed to because they've given away penalties in the second half. The pressure at the breakdown, the defence of Saracens was that good that Exeter could only do that for a certain amount of time. And I think Saracens in that kind of mode, I think they go with most teams. I, I just think Exeter are so quick. that They're so quick to want to put the ball in the hog's hands. Uh, you know, We saw that particularly in the first half when they were throwing it into touch con- continuously. Hog is amazing. Hog need needs the ball, but I just think they need more. I think they need just more discipline. They want everything to be scored. Much they're nowhere near as patient as as what they once were. Nowhere near, and it's not just Saracens' game. It's across the season. If, if you look at the individuals that Exeter were had to bring on because of some of the um, the stretch in their squad, so for the last twenty to thirty minutes they had Keast, Inard, Schickling, Jenkins and Grondona, who are, yeah. they, they're solid players, but they're not comparable to some of the guys that they're, uh, they're missing. Again, I, Luke Cowan, Luke Cowan, Johnny Hill, Sam Simmons, come on. Yeah, I, I get this, but you know, just when the pandemic was all kicking off, and or, or had kicked off, and we returned to rugby, the joke was, Exeter are the best team in the country. The second best team in the country is Exeter. Um, is is Exeter's second team, and probably the fifth best team in the country is Exeter's third team. So, you know, w- w- unless Exeter are just going to be a bog standard team that that rely on their first fifteen being available week in week out, um, they're not what they're, they're not what they were, and that comes down right. to systems yeah. and processes. Well, that, that, that's that's fair this season. I yeah. think that they had a very long season last season. There was the Lions with some unexpected call ups. I think. This is this season. I mean, it, it's going to be as we've talked about before. We don't need to go into it again. But next season is when really the salary cap hits Exeter. It hasn't actually hit them yet. Yeah, it's going to be so tough for them. There's going to there's going to be an adjustment. But what I'm saying is, I think actually, I put this season not down to suddenly the coaches have gone off the boil. Suddenly it's all gone wrong. I actually put it down to two very 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 long seasons back to back. It could be. But... And, th- and this is just an issue. And actually, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs now. Rob Baxter was saying, no, no, I think we still might. I don't think they will now, but um, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I don't see them winning the title and having a bit of extra time and a nice long pre-season 
Yeah. And I think Exeter can patch up some of the issues that they've got. Yeah, what will confirm my feelings to me is if Rob Baxter d- decides to pl- replace some of his coaches. And I think he probably will. I would not be surprised next week or so if we see a departure of one of the coaches. And I think that's going to be really tricky for them as well because Exeter is such a sort of united family club that when you start changing people inside a family, it gets very, very, it gets <laughs> you're, very, you're very starting tricky. A, you're starting a conversation about something that you think might happen. Well, let's see what let, happens. Let's talk about... Let's just see what happens, eh? Let's see what happens. Let's just see what happens. You know... Are you- are you saying there might be a, a Monday morning meeting? I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying that if Rob Baxter decides to re- uh, replace some coaches, I, yeah, just looking at how they play today and just you know judging by things, I think that might be something on the on on the agenda. Um, it's going to be very very hard for them because you know it's a very internal club, if that makes sense. Because you, you do have you you've predicted 15 of the last two Monday morning meetings. Yeah, but they're Leicester you, Tigers. You have... And by the way, I, can, can I just say if Leicester Tigers would have taken those op- those 15 opportunities, they'd have been far <laughs> far um, further further along the road than what they are now. <laughs> well, just before we depart this game, just I think we again just have to emphasise how good Saracens were, particularly in that second half. And what's really encouraging for them is. Yes, they've adjusted their salary cap. They're, they're cutting to the same cloth as everybody else now. But you've got yeah. some young guys that have had that year in the championship and are looking great now. Uh, so genuine, solid backup. But I think a, a big part of that is the fact they're stepping into a team where around them they've got lots of glue that holds everything together. Yeah, Sarah, it, it does help coming into a team that's performing the way that Saracens are performing um, compared to Exeter who are not performing as they should be not and not by not by a long shot shot compared to the standards that they will want to set by the way I spoke to your boy Swinners uh, before the game JB one he's of the a, best signings in premiership history please continue he's very he's a very like in brilliantly intense focused man when he when he was chatting he's kind of he had that thousand yard stare he yeah. looked like his eyes were bulging I was I, I wouldn't wouldn't have wanted to have been in his way. Can uh, you believe? Was... Can you believe he retired? I know. Isn't it amazing? Like, I know. He retired and now... Look at him now. He might win a premiership. That's incredible, isn't it? As well as the championship. Well, let's talk about the two teams that will be standing in Saracen's way, you would imagine. Obviously not to be disrespectful to whichever of Northampton, Exeter, Gloucester or London Irish... Well, make that yeah. make that fourth spot. But le- that Leicester Queens game was awesome. It wasn't it good. It wasn't it good. And just to add to what you said there, no, let's be disrespectful because the fact that we don't know who's who is going to be fourth means they don't get the same respect as the guys that we know are going to be one, two, and three. Yeah, one, one, two, and three is done and dusted. It has been dusted for a little while, actually. I think it's been it's been sorted. But Quins were maybe the least certain. But I think this performance just cemented that they will they definitely are going to be in the top three and they rightly deserve to be in the top three this was a this was a fantastic performance by them yeah the two players absolutely stood out for me uh for harlequins at least you can guess who they are and this is not confirmation bias i'll get i'll guess it will be uh andre Hazen. no no okay danny care no uh, Hugh Jones was awesome at Hugh, oh Caden Murley Caden Murley and <laughs> Lewis Liner were outstanding I, I, so good I genuinely do not think there is a better pair of wingers in the Premiership no I'll go further they're the best pair of wingers in, in the Premiership and as individuals 
I think they're probably playing the best rugby of any winger in, in the Premiership, with the exception of Lewis Resummit, maybe. But even there, I think they do more work than <clears throat> Resummit. Resummit's got amazing moments. But these guys do absolutely everything all of the time. And and we, we see them far more than we see Resummit. Yeah, they're incredible. I mean, Murley today, he scores a try, he sets a try up, but that's not the impressive stuff. I mean, it's nice. But it's not the impressive stuff. The way he dealt with Namani Nadolo was out of this world. I mean, this is a world-class winger with international caps. He's played in France. He's one million stone. And Murley just wasn't bothered. He wasn't bothered. I mean, Namani Nadolo, you admitted, you were brave enough to admit recently, JB, that you did a your man with a massive oh, South yeah. Islander running, running down your channel. I would definitely your man. Namani Nadolo, you, you wouldn't. You wouldn't disrespect someone. You wouldn't hold it too hold too much of a grudge against someone if they did a your man. Caden oh, Murley, though, I'm not, just going to dive at your shins. Not interested. Not interested in what Namali Nadolo brings at all. Uh, that, that that was one area where Murley did have one up on um, on liner because the Nadolo try, he went straight through Lewis Liner. He, yes. was, he was defending inside ten. Um, defending that that first out channel, and he got left with a one on one because I think I think I think it was Tizard had a, a either a misread or a convenient mid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <And> he <laughs> conveniently did not pick up Nadolo, which left the one on one with Nadolo going at absolute full tilt. But that, in a way, set it seems to have lit a fire in the liner. Who after that? I mean. You have the intensity of Murley, and I know I'm talking about two wings. There's far more than two wings that played this game. Um, the, the intensity which he brings in in defence and all that good stuff, but the way that Liner attacks, he's never down. I mean, you have to lie on him, and then you've got to get your mate to lie on you to make sure he's down. He doesn't stay down. Mm. Yeah, he's a good. Well, he, he obviously does. He obviously does stay down when he sits in a barber's chair because. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He, can't, well, does he? he can't have asked for that. He cannot have asked for well, that. Well, does he? Because it, it looks like it's not finished. I mean, it looks like he has escaped. <laughs> the, these, <laughs> these mullets have gone... I mean, Luke Luke Cowan-Dickey, when you actually look back at it, what an incredible trendsetter that man was. He, when he was mullet from Dickey, he got that name because he was the only one. Yeah, well, on that, in the Sale, Sale FC Coldy game, the Sale FC number seven... Rocked up to the game with bright a bright pink mullet. I, I wow. saw that, and on that, I, when I looked at the photo of the sale huddle, I felt sorry for them, and also I was I was like, oh, I really would have liked Championship Rugby just up the road and round the corner yeah. from Phil, who could cook us a barn me before uh, before a game <laughs> Any against time. Cornish Pirates. Um, but um, but then I saw that hair and thought, nah, I'm glad they lost. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough one, isn't it? You look at that, and you go, you better win. You really better win. Who's your, just slightly off topic, um, well, on this topic, but off the Quinn's Leicester topic, who's your favourite Muller in the Premiership right now? Mm. As the son, I think I've, I think I've got mine. Still, I mean, hang on. Do you mean favourite player who happens to have a mullet or actually favourite independent mullet? Uh, in, I'm treating the hair as independent to the player. Righto. Um, hmm... Mm, that's a good question. That is a good question. Mm. I used to quite like. There's so many. I can't think. I can't think of any one individual. <laughs> I kind of think just... once you've seen one mullet, you've seen them all. I mean, I, you know, the novelty. Uh, there is one mullet 
which I think does stand out from the others, but he's not in the Premiership. The reserve hooker, Bradley, whatever his name is, at Ulster. Ulster, the Welsh, Welsh South African Ulster. Oh, man. yeah. I mean, that's pretty special, isn't it? That is a good mullet. Uh, Jack Goodhues is, is the best one I've seen on a rugby field. <laughs> Jack Goodhues is ridiculous. Jack Good, and he's ridiculous too, so that helps. Uh, the, the one I, I just was watching the highlights earlier today of the uh, London Irish Newcastle game and he's. Uh, South African Scotsman who scored a try this weekend. Yes, I know who you mean. Kyle Rose Muller is ridiculous. It's outrageous. It's like he should like he's in a uh, 1980s soft rock band. Yes, it, he is. I mean, they are ridiculous. I mean, this kind of goes back to the thing I said. Um, uh, when did I say it? I can't remember. But it goes it goes along the lines of this, which is sometimes if you're too popular. You know, within a group of people and nobody tells you not to do something like you know if i showed up with cowboy boots and was about to go out and i was with you as with you two you both turn around to me and say you look ridiculous go back inside <laughs> but like when you're a little bit too cool and nobody says no to you that you know that looks like a great idea you tend to go ahead with it and i think this is the trap that a lot of rugby players fall into maybe they don't uh, move on from their school friends maybe you know they're still surrounded by people who you know, are not their equal in terms of their stature, and therefore they get away with mullets because they think it's cool. Mm. Well, I don't. I don't want to steal a story from Flats, but um, he was working for ITV today at the Saracens game, and he, he came onto our our dining bus just for a little bit of a natter, and and he was saying that. Do, do you know who Adam Kay is? You, you'll probably know so. your your wives will have mentioned him. I reckon he's the guy that wrote that book, which has been turned into a BBC show about. A hospital ward. It, this um, is going to hurt. Oh something. no! Oh this no! Gonna... Yeah. Oh yeah. I know. So the he. So he, he was in Flats's year at school. Oh yeah. In, in Flats's class at Dulwich <laughs> College, and Flats was doing a, a bit. Again, I don't want to take a story from him. It's just he told me so. Whatever. Um. Uh, and but it just highlights the point that you're making because Adam K was in the same class, which Adam K brought up while Flats was uh, comparing at a. At a corporate event that Adam Kay was the guest at, and Flats didn't remember him, didn't know he was in the same class until he brought it up. But that's the point: when you're wow. a rugby player, when you're a rugby player, you are in your own little alpha wow. male world, aren't you? And, just when you can bench, like when you're David Flatman, and when he was what eighteen, could probably bench press 180 kg with this doctor sitting on the bar at the at the same time. He wouldn't <laughs> notice him, would he? He wouldn't notice him. Yeah. Well, he, he was too uh, at, at that time as well. That was nothing. He he had to get to 200 because Andrew Sheridan could do that. Yeah. Was he Dulwich College? He was. So yeah, Dulwich College, front, yeah. Dulwich College front row, if you don't know, was Sheridan, Flats, and I think it was Lee Mears. No, no. Uh, Andrew Sheridan was uh, number eight or second row. Oh, then. you're mm. right. And then he only converted at Bristol, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think he was a, do you think he was a tight head lock? Or a tight head eight. He's a tight, tight head eight. eight yeah, yeah, that. tight head eight. Definitely, definitely packed down on on on, uh, on the tight head. No matter. Mind you, was he not a loose head prop? He was. He was a loose head prop. For the the irony. <laughs> the rich irony. Tight head eight, loose head prop. Yeah. yeah. Back back to this game. Oh yeah. Um. Do you, so, Quinns obviously won this. Deserved to win this. I think this is bad for Quinns. Oh, go on, please. Because Quinns, this was as close to full strength as they could put out, yeah. pretty much, with, with the players that are available. This was not close to full strength, Leicester. This was, uh, Quinns win by six points, 
three tries all, and it's only a couple of penalties that was the difference. This Leicester Tigers team is missing about half a dozen starters. So they're missing Montoya? That'd be one, wouldn't it? Um, Montoya, Genge. Genge, what was it? Oh, Genge came off the bench. And came off the bench. Didn't he? Yeah. Um, no Dolly. They're missing Visa, I, I, yeah, Van, funny Van Staden, Dan Kelly, Freddie and, and, and they started Youngs as well, so they really weakened the team. Yeah, yes. exactly. Well, <laughs> I, I, I genuinely think there are maybe six Leicester players to come back into that if this was to be played in a knockout game of rugby. Yeah, I mean, I'll just say this. I thought Charlie Kerr did a really good impression of Montoya. I, I think he looks like the real deal. As Sorry, the... what, what, are you, what are you doing calling him Montoya? Montoya. Call him Montoya. Mon- Montoya. Yeah, Montoya or whatever they... Montoya. That's what we should call him, yeah. Montoya. <laughs> yeah, so I... Uh, yeah, actually, you are right, because it is lads like Visa and Chesham, and there's just loads of us in there, but they've got a phenomenal squad. So, yeah, yeah, they're... Was George, Martin, was George Martin involved? No, nope. no Martin. No, no, no. So no Martin, no Chesham. Visa was on the bench. Genge was on the bench. No Dolly. No, no Van Staden. No Van Staden. No, Fred, no Freddie Stewart. No Dan Kelly. Dan Kelly. Yeah. Yes. A lot, lot of players to come back into that mm. Leicester team. Yeah. And and um, Ben Young's as travelling reserve if they play their strongest team. That is, yes, that is true. And just on how they both played. Uh, I mean, one of the joys of this game is not only the way both teams played rugby, and they did play lovely open field field rugby at times. I thought the two line-out designs were really, really good. Now, Leicester's, we've spoke about loads of times, the way that they move people into space to set up all sorts of mall formations. I think it's amazing. They're very, very efficient at that. Uh, even though they were stopped a, a few times by Quinns. So, you know, Quinns do something... Well, they do a lot, actually. I don't know if you noticed this, but... They are very good at sort of manipulating situations to look like one thing uh, and then dummy another thing and then play play out the back. So a couple of times they've dummied what looks like a short number mall and then you've got an opposition who are questioning, do we come into the mall and meet them with numbers? But then the back two guys have already worked out worked backwards to receive the ball. I thought that was a, a, a pretty clever manoeuvre. And the other one that they do is they come off, they bring the ball down and they ship it as if they're going to sort of drive towards the back of the line out, and then they ship it again. Like they've got so many little tricks. Mm. Well, it, it's it was a is a very interesting matchup, and it, it's good to see uh, Ford and Marcus Smith going at each other as well. And when there was the when there was the crossing for Marcus Smith's, did Marcus Smith score or did he offload and someone else scored? Mm, he scored. He's he, well, no, he on. scored. No, but he didn't was, score. And then he gave it, a pass, didn't he? It, no, it, he scored, but then it was called back for crossing because um, the second row, Simmons, had just stepped into George Ford. Yeah, I did not think that was a crossing call at all. I, I, watched, I watched it back three times before I spotted it. And when I, when I saw it, I was like, yeah, he has. He's deliberately stepped into them. He's only checked him by half a second and it's probably not material. I, Marcus Smith was going to score that anyway, mm. but because he steps into him, deliberately steps into him and blocks Ford's pass, I think it was the right call. Well, so I think it's the wrong call because if Ford hasn't wasted a quarter of a second appealing, he makes a tackle. He only appeals after. 
I'm sure he goes into him, he waves his arms up, and then he kind of comes across. But I th- I'm kind of with you on most part. I don't think it, it was material. I don't think it was material, but it's 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 just dull by Simmons. If you do a stupid thing that is illegal, you're gonna get you're gonna get pinged, and it it costs them a try. Yeah, I think that's what happened. They, 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 well, hang on. They didn't get pinged, did they? Because they were playing on a penalty. So they went back to the penalty. They, did they not pick the scrum and then Smith flings it into the the arms of Murley? I think it might have. It might have led to the Murley try. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the um, uh, JB's always going to have all the details sorted, Phil, when Murley's involved. In anyway. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, the Will Collier try was special. That was fact, awesome. We spend most of our most of our podcasting life talking about special Harlequins tries. Maybe we should only mention the boring ones. <laughs> that was that was class. When when they do a boring try, we'll we'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think if they. I'm just looking through the tries now. Were any of them boring? They're just they what they do incredibly well, and it's very southern hemisphere. Um, yeah, it, it, it's the sort of thing you associate with New Zealand teams and stuff. They just do thing. They they execute skills at full pace so yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. And when you've got a tight head prop picking it up off his bootlaces from mm. an, an embrace, it's, it's fallen over. Obviously, yeah. something's going going rather well there. Yeah, that, that line from Don Brandt was class, wasn't it? Yeah, it was very, very... Well, it wasn't just a line from Don Brandt, it was the hands to get... So they're sort of ploughing forward, and it's a classic tip. I mean, there's nothing particularly special about what they did, except for they did a really simple thing in a very high-pressure situation incredibly quickly. Yeah, was it was it Tizard on the tip there? Yeah, Tizard tips it in on, on Don Brandt. I mean, just yeah. you know, it's just basics. Sar- really Saracens well. have got themselves a gem there. He's exactly the kind of player that... Saracen, uh, Harlequins would want to keep so that they've got a gem now there yeah. is a decision in this game which I want to run past you guys the decision to penalise Dombrant for pushing uh, Marla into contact into, into Callum Green that's nonsense right um, well so I like that Wayne Barnes used it as a way to mitigate out of having to give a card of either colour to Callum Green, agreed with that. Because I think that, that I think that was a reasonable mitigation. It's a reasonable thing to say. He, he didn't give the defender the opportunity that he might otherwise have had. That's... So let's not penalise him for it. But to actually proactively penalise Dombrant, I wasn't. I, I would have. I would have preferred him to say, I'm "Not going to penalise Callum Green for that play on." I mean, I'm pretty sure it's in the laws that you can push players, your own player, through. I'm sure you can. I'm absolutely sure you can. That's not it, a law. Did he? I can't recall if you mentioned. Did he say it was a reckless act? Something like that. He, he said he caused the danger. It was okay. dangerous. Yeah, it was well, dangerous. Well, I mean, play. It's, I mean, the, the, the twenty stone men running at each other—they work out. They work out to generate power. You know, they literally stand there in in the gym with heavy weights, trying to get more powerful to run into each other. It is dangerous. The whole thing is a dangerous act, and I'm sure. Yeah, that you I, can... I, I think I think Wayne Barnes did half the job. He, he recognised. Oh, that would be really unfair on Callum Green, and I love that. But yeah, mm. that was a good, a good bit. But again, I'm sure you are allowed to push people into contact. I'm, I'm just sure you are. So I, I hated that. I, I think anything that uh, comes under the umbrella of dangerous play, I think that is quite often a referee's discretion. Yes, mm. that, is, that that is true. It's like the 
So I had a, a chat with somebody at Coldy about the red card in the Gloucester game, Sam Bedlow. And they are absolutely convinced that Sam Bedlow did not make head contact and the head snaps forward and that's why it looks so bad. In fact, it does snap forward. But then the point is, referees, if that is the case, referees will always err on the side of caution, except for Cole Dickinson, who somehow doesn't, um, and send the player off because there's no advantage to a referee of getting a call like that wrong. I mean, it's a real stain against your career if you've got a you know concussed player or a player that's out for a length of time and you haven't issued a red card particularly with the replays. Yeah. Hmm. You got any different opinion on that, Phil? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. I've I've just I've just rewatched the inc- incident. I think you're right. I don't think I don't think that in itself was that dangerous, but Wayne Bards has used that as a almost an out to prevent <laughs> yeah. him from having to do something else, which which Wayne Bards is is quite cute and clever with that kind of stuff. I agree with that. Yeah. I I just don't like the idea. I mean, Don Brandt's a strong man. But he can't, he can't fire forward Joe Marler at that speed, surely with a simple little shove. I mean, he just, well, got, Joe Marler's a huge guy. But I, I, think, I think you could fire him forward faster than Joe Marler would accelerate on his own. Marginally, marginally. Maybe rugby players should start doing that. Um, what's that thing, you know, the um, cyclists, when they're doing the team pursuit? <laughs> Oh. They, do the, they, they do the catapult thing. Oh, grab yeah. in the hand. The they grab stream. the hand and uh, whip them. That's 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 what they should do. Imagine someone. Imagine Cade Murley oh getting whip, getting whipped by Joe Marler. Do you know charged, what? Charge downs. You could you could actually do that for charge downs. Oh my word! So the way I'm thinking about this now is, do you know WWE the way they fling each other into the rope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I I mean, it sounds crazy, but I bet you, if there's anybody listening from Saracens, they'll be trying it in training tomorrow. That, that well, no, that that is what they do in the cycling. So the the uh, the cyclist that's in front will reach his hand out, and sorry, yeah, the cyclist will come past uh, will, will come past the rider, reach out his hand, and then get in front and then whip I the cyclist next that. to him forward. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's in one of the. Um, like velodrome, yeah, events, isn't it? Because yeah. there's, there's also the terminology in long form cyclist cycling of the sticky bottle. If you've ever heard of that, nope. Which is where a team car sounds like something from a rugby night out. But go on, <laughs> a little bit. You, you you've all had a game of sticky bottle, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the team don't wanna lose, don't wanna lose a game of sticky bottle. <laughs> Uh, the team car, the manager in the team car will hand a cyclist a new bottle and as he's handed it, they'll hold on, the cyclist will hold on for like 15 seconds. So he's, uh, he's then going at the speed of the team car with no extra effort expended by himself. So that's, that's an illegal uh, tactic. They never miss an opportunity to cheat these cyclists. <laughs> Marginal gains. Yeah. Saracens have got nothing on cyclists. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, keep an eye out for that one. Yeah. Um, just um, I'm just going to chuck an email in here. Go on. Then. Go uh, this one's from Tom Brewer. Contact deadchasers at gmail.com. I think you'll like this one. Uh, Tom's got in touch and says, um, "I play for an invitational amateur barbarians esque side called the Rugger Buggers. Excellent. We play one fix one fixture per year. Twenty nine years ago." A man called Mike Keeling was at the end of his regular playing days, having played in multiple locations up and down the country 
Macclesfield, Wells, and other random Ooh. locations on the list. He decided he'd like one last rugby tour where he could bring all his mates from these various clubs together. Where where shall we tour, they asked. Why not the town of Rugby? They had such a fun tour, they decided to do it again the next year and the next year and the year after that. 29 years later, wow. and the originals are old men and the sons and their friends are now the lifeblood still touring the town of Rugby once a year. Though there are a few old boys still trotting out to play, the 62-year-old Mike Keeling, at 12, being one of them, he sounds like a right character. Bloody hell. Uh, there, there are brothers and fathers and uncles all playing together in the annual tour game. And when's he writing this one? Uh, today. So yesterday, they played Rugby Welsh in a local park that they use as their home ground. And uh, in, the, uh, in the opening five minutes, the young fullback caught the ball and was legally and well tackled by uh, eight. But there was a snap and an awful compound oh. fracture. First aiders came on. Ambulances were called, but the match was looking like it might be in jeopardy. The lad was lying in the middle of the pitch, unable to be moved. The rugby spirit then kicked in. We grabbed the post protectors and the flags, moved them onto the neighbouring football pitch, and within 10 minutes, we were back playing. The rugger buggers won 25-15. We abandoned conversions, and then a superb piss-up followed. It's the first time I've ever played on a soccer pitch, but it wasn't too bad. Thought we might enjoy that story, and I absolutely love Mm. it. Yeah. Well, first of all, get well, the compound fracture guy. But, you know, also if you're going to have a compound fracture, don't do it, do, do it in the middle of the pitch. Selfish. Or, or, well, on, to- or on tour. Or on tour. Yeah, particularly, I mean, that's a big one, isn't it? Or on a do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Th- poor form. Yeah, well, that is poor form. Like but JB and I, we remember this season having to cut, <laughs> cut a game short because a man got a this was, injury in the middle of the this pitch. This is the most... So selfish. Yeah. And by the way, uh, if there is... I'm sorry for listeners who've heard this story before but if there is a sadder indictment of society right it's if your mate is holding his broken arm on the floor writhing in pain and one of the members of the opposition in this case me says hang on and by the way i know how ridiculous this this sounds because of course painkillers are going to make no difference whatsoever it's like i've got some painkillers and his mate on the same team goes no you can't, you're not insured. I was like, how is my insurance how is my insurance situation more important than your mate's arm situation? But that is the society that we now live in. Imagine that. Imagine imagine t- imagine Tim, if you get hit by a bus and I'm with you, and then someone tries to uh, give you know to help you, no, leave him be, you're not insured. Yeah. I know. I'll, I'll never get over that. I'll never ever get over that. <laughs> so contact edjacers at gmail.com mm. um, for I, I love st- we've got some cracking emails to get through today as well yes uh, well actually I mean we can come back to the Leicester Harlequins match because I think we, there is more to come but Phil's been to a live game as well I did I went um, not not too far not too far up the road to Cheadle to watch Manchester Rubicons, two two former titans of the game. Yeah. What one of my former clubs? Yeah, Man- Manchester Rugby Club, um, a club who were formerly at the top of the game against Waterloo or, or Furswood Waterloo, as they they now seem to be called. Another club which were at the top of the game not not that long ago, playing in I think it's level six. I want to say JB, you, you're more. It is level six. Yeah. So these two teams are right at the top of level six. Stockport have dominated level six. I think Manchester might be second, maybe Kendall it, a second, but you know they're a good Manchester team. They're a very good team. In the table. 
Yeah, it was definitely going into the game. It was second v third with Manchester at second, Waterloo in third, right, and Kendall okay. right up there. But Stockport, I think I've not actually checked their score, but if they won yesterday, they did that win. would be an unbeaten season. Yeah, I can't remember who they beat. I want to say they beat Lim. Was it no? Because Lim are at level six, so doesn't I... matter. Doesn't matter. No, no one cares. But they they have a, everyone the, cares about unbeaten seasons. Is... Level no, the six. unbeaten season is worth right. noting. Carry, carry on talking, and I'll remember who it is. Okay, so it was a good game. I was there there to watch friend of the pod and uh, Egg Chasers RFC player Lee French, uh-huh. who refereed the game and had a beer ah. with him afterwards. How is the, Lee? Um, Lee's very good. He, he refed very well. Don't take my word for it. I had uh, a chat with Bill, who was the RFU assessor afterwards, um, who agreed that he had a very good game and is um, apparently nominated to to move up to level five next season. Bloody hell! So that that's that's good. Uh, that's, yeah, that's pretty exciting. Um, but it, it was it was um, an entertaining game. Let's say it was it was it finished thirteen nine to Manchester. Um, and in the last 20 minutes, there was a lot of turnovers by Waterloo when they should have won. But the the most egregious and the worst thing for Furswood Waterloo, with, about, with less than 10 minutes to go, they were camped on Manchester line. They got held up once. Um, and shortly before that, they blew oh. a two-on-one. Really? In the, corner, the corner where I was sat, they had a two-on-one. And all the fullback needed to do was take two steps. Is the the winger is in ten meters of space, five yards out from the line. He just has to take two steps and give the pass. And he didn't. He stepped back inside and turned a two-on-one into a one attacker versus two defenders and got stopped just oh. short of the line. Which if they score that, they have a, a conversion. Well, no, not a conversion to win. They they win the game if everything else stays the same. So tell me if you agree with my. Oh, by the way, was Manchester's very tall number ten playing? Uh, didn't notice a very tall number ten. I noticed a very tall, um, certainly com- compared to this this level, a very tall coach who was patrolling the uh, in goal area. No, Manchester have got a ten. We've got. I think he's got like a ponytail, and he must be six four. He's a big big lad with it too. No, he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't the, the ten. But the 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 tall um, coach or assistant coach who was patrolling the uh, in goal area. Mm-hmm. Someone you might know. Someone I might know. Well, both of you might know of. Oh, is it Sam James? Sam James. Yeah, Sam James loves a bit of Manchester. So, yeah. do you agree with my assessment of Manchester? Not a particularly hard team, but lovely structure to what they do. Like they've they've mate, always got mate, players. Mate. <laughs> What? I, I love we, this, but let's not we... let's not go into the tactics of a level six team. Why? This is what this is what we live for. Because no one can connect. Because no one could have seen it. <laughs> well, there were, there were there were maybe two hundred people there, Tim. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which means actually the potential audience for this content is far greater than Tigers, who had like, what thousands of people watching them. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Phil, can you just yeah, answer? Fair enough. Can, take can, it all. Take can, it all. Back. Can you take answer that question very, back. very, very quickly? Did Did you like Manchester's structure? Because I, because I do. Uh, well, so I I only watched the second half of the game, and for the whole of that, Manchester were trying to close the game out. So all they did, they they were obsessed with kicking the corners, which they got a lot of return for. To be fair, ah. but I, I, I couldn't I couldn't comment on it. Like like. Most people listening to this podcast also couldn't or wouldn't want to comment on it. 
Oh dear. Oh, I love dear. your commitment to nicheness. Yeah. It started with uh, what did it start with? What was that niche reference at the very start? Uh, Mings Campbell. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was one. No, there was one other game in because Northwest Rugby this this weekend has been absolutely no. phenomenal. So, just quick congratulations to LSH that won the cup. They beat they beat Witness in a massive upset. Well, in my mind, good. Was. And uh, uh, I, I'm also going to mention, if we're talking about other rugby, I just want to remind people that, um, what's it called? The the Rugby Network, I think, .com streams the MLR season, which is coming towards its conclusion. It's getting quite exciting. <laughs> I've got a question and, for you. Uh, Come on, scroll uh, Yeah, yeah, I just, I love it. Those the, those Austin Gilgronies and the um, and the, the LA Giltinis um, both won again. And, uh, or, uh, yeah. And Nola Gold aren't doing very well this season, but their kit is still... It's still very good. So. Yeah. Uh, also, Aspel won the ADM Championship, which is below the ADM Premiership, so well done to them. Uh, do you only <laughs> said network before. Maybe you can shed some light on this. Do you know Do you know who the Business Rugby Network is? Or Rugby Business Network is? No. Sounds like something I should know and want to uh, know. Well, this is exactly what I think. It should be someone that we know. Uh, so apparently there's a chapter over in Manchester and there's a chapter uh, in, Ma- in London... Do you know that we're banned from it? <laughs> we're banned from an organisation <laughs> we didn't know existed. Yeah, well, no, I've seen, I've seen the, I've seen the logo on LinkedIn, and I don't know how. It, I just because you said that, it, it, it rings a bell from something that happened about three years ago, and I found them on Twitter, but I was blocked. So I looked on egg chasers, and I was blocked. So I made inquiries, and it's like, yeah, you fell out with such and such, and so you're banned from all rugby business networking events. It's like, well, well, I guess that'll. I guess we'll have to live with that. But it's nothing to do with what... Apparently it's something to do with you, Tim. Is that, is that, does that ring a bell? Uh, absolutely not. Who have you fallen out with? I've got no idea, but apparently we are banned from the Rugby Business Network. Just, just blame, I don't... Bl- blame me. Yeah, it was... I, I haven't fallen out with anyone. I know. It's, uh, <laughs> well, that we know of. I mean, we've fallen out with many people, but usually... Usually we know who they are because they've got neck beards and they drink soy lattes and you know we know <laughs> we know who we don't get on with but it's yeah it's very very surprising. Well, it's it's bizarre that, that um, if if that is the case, uh, if I've fallen out with someone and their beef was neither revealed to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and I've never heard of who these people are. Well, yeah, you've hardly that's learned your lesson thought. then, uh, uh, have you really? No, maybe, maybe whatever the thing is that you were doing, you're still doing now. Maybe. Mm, what could it be? Yeah. Well, that, uh, we'll let that one run on. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Um, you, you just mentioned MLR and obviously positive season coming to conclusion. But did you, did you see the news? Um, Pedri Wallenberg, 
this week. Oh, yeah. Who's is um, Ped- Pedri Wannenberg. Okay. Uh, who's former Springbok who played for Ulster for a couple of years, uh, 2010 to 2012, then played in Oyanat, but finished his career in MLR, playing in uh, Dallas and Austin. Uh, he was killed with 41, killed in a car crash. Oh, God. Uh, in near Houston last week. And you read it, and it was a, a teenage driver. So he was just parked at traffic lights, and a oh. teenage driver who was in a high speed chase with police went into the back of him. Jesus. And, yeah, absolutely horrible, horrible news. So, sorry to. Um, to bring the the tone down slightly, but no, you're, you're, I'm glad I'm glad I'm you glad mentioned it because yeah, uh, yeah I, I had I had forgotten, and um, uh, yeah, uh, pay, pay your respects to, to him and and pay a bit of respect to a, a product that is fast developing in America, and uh, as soon yes. as we can, uh, let's let's get out there, boys. Where, yes. where, where would you where would you pick which which I, I've already nailed my colours to the mask. I want to go and see the. The mighty Nola Gold in New Orleans. I fancy a bit of. Uh, I've got to say, Tim, New Orleans at Mardi Gras. That is a phenomenal. Tr- I, I'm. I don't think I'm willing to um, nail my colours to the mast yet. I, I think there's too much of the USA uh, to experience for me to say. Yeah, I'm definitely. I, I quite like the New England team. Uh, my friend David is over there. Um, the Free Jacks. Yes, and I've done his podcast. In Boston is that? It, it is. It is. Um, I've done his podcast a, a few times. Uh, so I'm kind of partial to them because I, although I tell you what, that Arrows kit looks rather nice. Toronto. Yeah. Although uh, yeah. Canada, do you want to go to Canada? I mean, do you want to go to a, a you know, a, a dictatorship? You, you know, you don't, you know, I, 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 it's not something which I, which I Canada, South do. Korea. No, I'm joking. Yeah. Canada, um, South Korea. Same, same no, sort of list. I'm joking I've, about that. I've, I fancy a trip to te- Texas. So maybe the Austin Gilgronies. Yeah. You've got, you got, you got Houston and Austin and Dallas, haven't you? There, or is it? Is it two or three teams in in Texas? It, I, th- I think there might be three. Yeah. Houston SaberCats, yeah. uh, yeah. so, so Texas is is, is, it? is the home of the freedom. home of rugby. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. And, and sorry. the home of free yes. running rugby. Yes, that's what I meant. Free, free, freedom rugby. Free running rugby. Yeah, that's what I meant. Freedom rugby. Uh, is there a team in Florida? Hmm. I don't believe so. Actually, there needs to be one. Hmm. Yeah, there's that, that Coliseum that LA Giltini's play at looks immense. It does, isn't it? It does. And they've also played at the so whatever it is stadium, the one they played the Super Bowl in. SoFi. Yeah, they played at SoFi Stadium once as well, which is quite an incredible thing. I'm not sure they filled it out, but well done <laughs> though, anyway. So SoFi can hold a hundred thousand people, can't it? <laughs> Or maybe they filled it out twice then. I, I, I didn't realise. I didn't realise it was so small. <laughs> SoFi is ludicrous. Yeah. Absolutely the, ludicrous. The cost of it is ludicrous. Uh, well, yeah, it's, it's um, uh, ten times more than a stadium that I know a little bit about that's <laughs> being well, built in the UK at the moment. Well, it's twice as ten much. times. Yeah, it's twice as much as Cowboy Stadium, which is ludicrous. <laughs> I mean that is the most impressive stadium on on the planet, or it was the most impressive stadium on the planet. So, hmm. so so far might actually be the the uh, what do they call it the infinity screen. That's it. I was thinking about that today because I saw a screen which effect, the same principle as the oh the boxing screen was the same principle as the infinity screen, except it was facing outwards rather than facing inwards. 
Well, it has the infinity screen has both, doesn't it? Oh, does it? Yeah, I think it, it's it's not a Mobius strip, but it's a bit it's a bit like a Mobius strip. Wow, I, it's what is it's a continuous screen on the inside and outside. I didn't know about the outside bit. I can't even imagine how much that weighs. I can't, uh, and how much that costs. See, I don't think it's about the size. I'm I'm all for more like the rusting Lada Fonce Arena. I'm so That's just bonkers. Well, do you know what I think you're right about there is what the ras what, what that racing ground has for first and foremost is fun. So Texas Stadium has this. If you look at Texas Stadium, there's plenty of places to drink. I mean, I know you should be watching the NFL, but it goes on for three hours. You're fine. You can turn up an hour before, stay an hour later, whatever it is. It's the idea that you go there and you can have a whole afternoon of merriment. And I think Racing get that right. The fact they've got bands on, the fact they open up a a bar underneath the sticks. I mean, that kind of stuff to me is absolutely brilliant. That's exactly what exactly what you want. And the fact you can get to see a 40-foot tall... Maxi Machino as well on Imagine. the screen. It's Imagine. wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Well, if they happen to be playing at Le France Arena at that time. Correct. Hmm. What are you talking about? Well, he doesn't play for Racing. Oh, Maxi Machino. Yes, he does. Sorry, I thought you meant Maxi yeah. Medard. <laughs> there you go. I was going, That's a bit of a niche one. <laughs> right. Um, I'm, I'm going to jump us on to, to Friday night's game. You've hmm. already mentioned Sam Bedlow's red card earlier, so let's deal with Brizzle. <sighs> really disappointing. Who, uh, Showed a lot of love to come through oh, in this one. Yeah, I mean, there is... Yeah, I, I think you've nailed it there for Bristol. A lot of love. Um, uh, give him credit. Oh, oh, by the way, before before you go on, actually, we, we, we have had an email. Oh? Do, you remember, do you remember when we would get stopped at rugby grounds regularly and uh, say, what? What are you going on about with Ellis Kenge? What are you hinting at with Ellis Kenge? Yeah, people, <laughs> people are starting to do that with Bristol. Do, and like, what is JB hinting at? I'm Mike not hinting at anything. Hinting. I don't know what, why. What is going, what's going on? What's this? He's hinting at something going on. What's no, going abs- about? absolutely not. If you just listen to what Pat Lamb says, it's all about love. Love is central to, to the culture, no matter what it costs any anybody. Uh, it is it is central to what to what he does, whether people agree with it or not. Uh, so you know, it's all about love, and that's important. Um, just on the, I just wanted to give you, I just wanted to give you the chance to set the record straight. Yeah, no, like if, if you listen to me, uh, people people are asking. People are asking now. Yeah, look, what's, what's this? If you if just yeah. listen to him, everything he talks about interviews, brotherhood and love, brotherhood and love. I know, that, it, it comes from his mouth, not mine. Um, just on that one, people people saying, "What did Genge do?" Do the one I I got the other day. Uh, what? Why does Owen Farrell hate Ben Spencer? <laughs> 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 I don't know. You'll have to ask Owen Farrell. I, I've got no idea. <laughs> Actually, I'm just going to read this one on uh, on something that happened at Ashton Gate from Chris Wright, uh, who's emailed contactedchases at gmail.com. Hello, lads. Uh, I was at Ashton Gate last night, as he's writing this uh, on Saturday. Uh, great game. Excellent atmosphere. I want to give a shout to a Gloucester fan in the South Stand. He managed to perfectly fit a pint in the arm support part of his crutch. <laughs> he then, uh, I, know, he, I know exactly where you mean perfect he he then held the crutch with pint in situ aloft much to the crowd's delight it was like a scene out of the lion king he then smashed the pint he smashed the pint back with the pint still in situ in the crutch to rapturous applause hero of a man hope his leg never repairs so as just get to witness this spectacle <laughs> yeah great stuff great stuff 
Uh, great game. Yeah, it was a good game. Um, it, yes. was, it was a great game. For, for any neutral um, individuals or any Bears fans watching this, it was a great game. Yeah, I'm just, I, do you know, we see so much so much rugby. I'm actually I'm saying it's a great game so vacantly, not because I don't think it was a good game. Uh, I just literally can't remember it. I remember Reese Zamet doing bits and pieces uh, because that's what that like, that's what he does. Did he get two tries? Don't, have I made that get, up? He just got one, and I I I seem to think he was fairly quiet. But that that try, just his acceleration for that try, he made it look so so easy right. and effortless. It was the Chapman try, wasn't it? So he go he starts running away from people, and then he just tosses the ball behind him, and Chapman is running a lovely little line uh, to support him, picks up the ball, dots it over. Yeah, that that was very nice. Chris Harris, uh, he had a a very good game defensively. Um, I thought Euron played well. I thought Luatua was very important for Uh, I'm so glad you mentioned Andy Euron. I bloody love that guy. How far away, how far down the pecking order is he with England? Because he always impressed me. And to the point where I actually... I think if I was in, if I was in charge of Pat Lamb as he did on Friday, I might I might have him as number one over Randall more often. I I, I would as well. well. I think I think the I think the flashy stuff from Randall is is a little bit better, but I think Uren Uren is just a better all round player. I think Uren is more consistent, fairly flashy himself when he wants to be. He does some very nice stuff. His, yeah, his box kicking can be a bit iffy at times. Um, but I, no, I agree with you, Tim, actually. I, I think, yeah, there's no reason why not. And I think when you look at Bristol, how they like to balance out their scrum halves, because their scrum halves have to work bloody hard going back and forth. Um, they do use them almost like Bath used to use their hookers. Like on the stroke of, on the stroke of half time, they, they, they would change them. So I, I'm not necessarily sure that they are dedicated to a one and a two. They both get a lot of game time, and rightly so. I think they're both brilliant. Mm. But this In this... The game in the context of the season, Gloucester will see this as a lost opportunity. Oh, completely. They're, they're a team pushing for top four against a team firmly in the bottom four. Mm. Uh, and you would have expected Gloucester to do more. And they they could have, would have, and should have done more, especially when Bristol play the last 10 minutes with a man down because of the Bedlow red card. Yeah, and also I mean, Bristol, just they're, they're not very impressive. Uh, Gloucester, I think, had the measure of them for the most part. They just go side to side. When Bristol start to get very potent is when they manage to punch holes up, up, um, up the middle. So in other words, like every like every other team. And they didn't seem to do that. They, they seem to be in such a rush to spread the ball. They kind of forget what they're doing. Um I'm trying to remember the tries. So they had a driving mall try, did they not, for, for Thacker? Uh, yeah, there was one of them. There was, there, there was one where Fitz Harding gives just an outrageous offload, wasn't there? Yes, um, there is. And I tell you, there's a guy that I want to uh, talk about as well who I really like. Um, Sam Jeffries is a cool player. Yeah, Jeff Jeffries is a good player and Harding played well, but he's... It's a bit more lightweight that back row than they could uh, arguably otherwise put out. Well, yeah, I mean, anything's a lightweight, isn't it? When you think you could have um, Nathan Hughes, Nathan Hughes, and also like Luatua. I mean, those two are two enormous men, and sometimes Luatua can move to seven, and Chris Vui can move to six. So that's just a huge back row, 
at that the best of times. Enormous. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, that, that is large. I do think the future of Bristol is going to be lads like Jeff, like Jeffries and, uh, and Harding. And, uh, you know, for what is effectively a absolutely dreadful season for, for Bristol, uh, those two have been absolute finds. I mean, that, that should be the one thing which they should be very, very, very happy with. I mean, Sam Jeffries is actually a lot... The problem with Sam Jeffries is I used to play with a player called Sam Jeffries and he was five foot, five foot eight, fly half. Um, and now every time I think of Sam Jeffries, I think of him. The actual Sam Jeffries, as I found out on, uh, on Friday, he is an enormous man. He's, what, six foot four and at least 110 10 kilograms. He's, he's big. Strong boy, mm, BSB. Although, BSB. Yeah. Although, yeah. when I say the future is built on those sort of players, maybe not him because he's a little bit older. Now, Randranda, he's now out for the season, is he? I don't know. Yeah, he's no having, idea. He's having an, he's having another operation. Yeah, I saw a picture of him with his knee strapped, mm. and I, it it looked as if it was a post-op strapping to oh. me. Yeah, for Which someone who's does, been through a few ops. Which I think does emphasize the point, JB, as you've been. I, and again, if you just want to judge him on performances alone, 100% Randrandra has not been the very good world class specimen no. that that he is. But as we have said all along, I'm not. We have said for months, not really, not sure he's 100% fit, and it would appear that is the case. Well, yeah, I mean, I, look, if that's the case, I just hope he comes back stronger and fitter, fitter than ever. But I wouldn't just judge him on this. I, look, I'm just. It's not that he's not good he is obviously good he plays professional rugby you know he's good he's an international it's a case of value and that is what it comes down down to i know and and it's been said many times it was just picking up on what phil said that he's he is having an operation you could you could get what eight sun bedlows for one semi semi uh for one maybe 10 maybe 10 maybe even more than 10 yeah, you you yeah. might be able to get nearly twenty Sam Bedlow. You could you could Frisch's. have your whole household staff as Sam Bedlow. I mean, you could have a dog walker as Sam Bedlow. You could have cleaners as Sam Bedlow, babysitters, <laughs> chefs. I mean, you could kit out your whole house of, with Sam Bedlows for what it costs to get one semi. Maybe you maybe could, you could run a you could run an, a whole estate agency, a whole estate <laughs> agent on, on your local high street of Sam Bedlows. Yeah, well, yeah. M- maybe that's what maybe that's what Semi does. He's got <laughs> Sam Bedlow doing his hedges, or he's got Piers O'Connor doing his laundry. He's got Antoine Frisch cleaning his um, cellar. I mean, it would make sense because Semi is paid so much. I can think that's the only, it's the only equitable way they can distribute their salary cap is by getting these lads to do odd jobs for Semi. <laughs> the one thing is that should make even Bristol fans like cause it's Steve Lansdowne's billions that are paying semi randrandra's wages it's not coming out of the salary cap and rest assured semi randrandra will be sending most of the money he gets back to back home well i mean i mean we don't know that i mean he it's a it's a it's a safe assumption something something like that but you know even if he is the one who is the the marquee, and it does seem like that because I think Bristol even admitted it, didn't they? He said, "Look, he's not going anywhere." Yeah, it's because... Peter Tower and it's Peter Tower and Randrandra. Yeah, so I mean, they've still got to pay Lua Tua, and they've still got to pay pay um, Nathan Hughes and Kyle Sinclair. So, and and you've still got to bring in Genge next year, and you still got to bring in AJ, who's you... not moving for for less money. I'm pretty sure he's not moving for less money. Yeah, I'm pretty certain that is the case. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, th- this weird squad will 
you know, will, will persist. And they're going to have to find a lot more Fitzhardings. But then that, that means that guys like Antoine Frisch, um, who's off to Munster next season, it's just been announced. What? Or, or guys like Piers O'Connor. Hang on. Will... Sorry, stop. Antoine Frisch is off to Munster. Did you say that? Yep. yep. No. Yeah. How's and that possible? I, I, was try, I was trying to think of another Frenchman that's played for an Irish province. Oh, um, Trevor Brennan. Played at Leinster. <laughs> Very good. Um, no, how is that possible? How is that allowed? Because they've signed uh, Fekatoa. Uh, so I think, I'm sure I read something that's, yeah. So I've, I've just found the tweet. Absolutely delighted to have signed for Munster Rugby. It's been a dream of mine since g- growing up watching them win titles when I was young and with my Irish heritage. Uh, so Anton Frisk go. is also EQP, which is why he's here. Mm. Wow, what, is, what an interesting character he is. He really yeah. is. Antoine O'Frisch is on his way. <laughs> yeah. Antoine O'Frisch. <laughs> with my Irish heritage. I love these, I love these, I've, I've got to hand it to these, these Irish... <clears throat> administrators of the Irish national team. They are incredible at plucking people out of nowhere. Who knew? Did anybody know he had any Irish in him whatsoever? No. I, had, I had, didn't have a clue. But do you know, if if you're an enterprising young player with an enterprising, uh, enterprising agent, I guess you look at these things, don't you? Because now with the rules being as restrictive uh, as they are, you need to be on top of your game. So I'll give you an example. It's a minor example. But, uh, in fact, I can think of two lads. So, Jonathan Mills at Sale and also um, Bateman at uh, Leicester. You know, I'd ask them openly, like, oh, yeah, so the Welsh coach has been in touch with you or whatnot. And they think, shh, 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 no, no, we don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about my Welshness unless it's an actual thing that might happen because the EQP is so valuable to them being part, part of the squad because of how all the numbers add up and what the rules are. Equally, I think, like, Rugby players should start breeding with this in mind. They should start having babies and think of it like a breeding program. Like I just wish my brother now. So my my, my brother, you know, played Premiership and stuff. Mm-hmm. His his wife is six foot six foot one. His kids, he's got two lads. They are, I mean, they'll probably end up being London Irish's second rows in <laughs> in another in another fifteen years time. And I just think actually they should have thought this through and just go and live in Jersey. When you were when you were having them, then, you, oh, then you've got choice of all four countries, clever. like Matt Ban- like Ban- Banahan had. Yeah, I, I mean, no doubt the Irish scouting staff already know about them. So, well, exactly that. So they should have thought about it and just, we'll just take a little holiday to, I don't know, somewhere like America. Jerseys, jerseys, a great shout. And that, jerseys, a great, great shout. shout. Yeah, yeah. Jerseys. So if, if you're, yeah, if you're a rugby player nearing the end of your say Premiership career, and you're also thinking of having kids just go go and play for jersey for a couple of seasons get the, get the babies popped out there you go done and you then give, the, the quali- kids the best possible chance if they decide that rugby's their thing and you can talk about all these stupid laws about eligibility wonderful stuff <laughs> uh. it's someone someone who we've mentioned uh recently as a potential to be called up but does have multiple options um harry potter Yes. Well, I mean, Piers O'Connor would be another one. What, what options does Harry Potter have? 
England and Aust- Australia. Yeah. So he's born born in England, but at age ten or twelve moved to Australia. So spent his formative years um, in Australia. So has both options. He shouldn't do. He shouldn't do England. Mm. I, I, and Lewis Liner. He, he stri- he stri- yeah, Lewis Liner. So in England, Australia, Italy. And he, he's got yeah because he was because uh, Michael was playing at Treviso, was it? Yeah. yeah, right at the end of his career when he was born. I mean, if I was if I was Lewis Liner, genuinely, his dad won a World Cup for Australia. I mean, I, I, fair enough, he's grown up and he is English, but that's just following in your dad's footsteps like that is pretty cool. But also, it, but but certainly with Harry Potter, it does not feel like exactly the kind of player unless Steve Borthwick takes over as the England coach. It, but maybe even then, England have got so many players that no, will he's not ever be one of the top two wingers in the country. No, he could, I, he could, he could grow into that. Who knows? I mean, I think the top two wingers in the country, as I mentioned before, or the Harlequins pair at the moment. I don't, I don't think that's the same thing though. And this is the weird thing about England, isn't it? It's not the same thing as being the best two wingers. So playing the best rugby, playing or being the best two wingers at the moment is not the same as being the best two wingers. So. No, here's another way. Here's another way to look at it. If you were Fabian Galtier, or if you were down in New Zealand and you were picking a squad, which English players, if any, would you pluck from the wing position into your squad? Uh, I mean, I don't know the easy answer. I, I think it's a far more complex question than we give it credit for. So, you know, for the, with England, there's no doubt about it. They pick on the. Yeah, on the maximum upside that a player gives you. So that's why Anthony Watson stays in the England team, because on his day, he is the best winger on the planet. But if you judged him by you know, his season this year, he'd be a million miles away. I don't know how you would judge the, the Harlequins pair at the moment, but I would say they are the two best wingers in the competition. Does that mean they're the two best wingers in England? I think that's a slightly different, different question. But if I was a New Zealand... As New Zealand coach, who would I pick? I don't know. I'd have to watch a lot, um, a lot of Premiership games. Mm. If you if you look as well, it, this is looking at the the Potter and Liner options, I guess. Who could both play for England or Australia? Look at the man who set. I think he set a new try scoring record, or certainly equalled Israel Folau's try scoring record in yeah, a debut season a few weeks ago, didn't we? Andrew Kellaway, yeah, who played for Northampton and was. Totally uh, anonymous. Yeah. I, I think it was, it was hard on the season to even recall what he did, and yet he was absolutely amazing when he was given that opportunity at test level. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and then I watched, I watched my beloved Hurricanes come back from seventeen nil down against the Reds, uh, and the two wingers playing for the Reds are absolute specimens, like unbelievable athletes and specimens in Dalgunu and Vunivalu, who are just outrageously big, powerful, fast, everything that you would want in a winger. And they're, they're the kind of guys that Lionel um, and Kellaway and Harry Potter would be competing against if they were to try and put their hand in Australia. Yeah. And they're the kind of guys who would you would assume absolutely tear it up in the Premiership yeah. if they were given the opportunity. My feeling is, as soon as you can get an international cap, you should get one because you don't know what's going to happen in the future. So let's just take Liner as an example. I think he's holding out for England. Do we all agree with that? Well, he's been yeah. in the England squad several times. Squads, yeah, but yeah. what does that mean? I mean, that means that somebody in the higher-ups is playing games with you. That's what it means. 
<laughs> you know, they did it to Redpath. They did it to Sam Moore. They did when you it say to you Gary get Graham. Cap, when you say you should get a cap, do you mean the nation should cap them? You no, mean, I mean like you so should take it, it. Yeah, if it's if it's take, in, take take the first one on offer. Yeah, if it's in knock on your door, and they go, look, you, uh, we're, we're going to give you a cap. Um, just just take it because you don't know when you, if you're going to blow up, blow out your cruise ship. You know, you get to play on the bigger stage. You can, and also, if you're really good, you can be the most important player for that country that they've had in you know a decade. Yeah, and look at the success that those Gloucester lads have had. Um, Chapman and who's the other boy? Varley. Is it Chapman? Have I made that up? Chapman's not. Braley. Braley and Varley. Although, weirdly, like Braley at a very young age is quitting international rugby to focus on premiership. I wonder if someone's had a word in his ear. Which I don't really, yeah, I don't. Or I wonder. That that, that, that makes it feel more mercenary. I don't. I'm against um, anyone. Retiring from international rugby. I exactly think right. I mean, I don't guess anyone retiring if your, from if your rugby. Country, I've said this before. Yeah, if your country calls on you, you answer your country's call. Um, yeah, it's like it's like conscription. Yeah, only like a really good one. Well, I was gone, Phil. I was going to say there was the rumours uh, of a few years ago that French clubs, uh, no no specific name, but French clubs were offering um, South Sea Islanders. Um, Pacific Samoan Fijian players two contracts when they were negotiating with them one if you retire from international rugby with an extra zero on the end and one if you do not retire from international rugby and then the the rumour was because obviously that is an illegal contract you can't do that no you cannot the the rumour was that there were certain players who signed the one with the extra zero on the end but Obviously, it didn't. It couldn't be written into the contract that you can't. You have to retire from international rugby, and then they were just playing international rugby anyway. Like Census Johnson, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. That's exactly what. That's exactly what I would do. You know, exactly what I would do. Um, yeah. On the, it's weird you say that about uh, Callum Brewley retiring from international rugby to concentrate on something else. Maybe that is the downside to the revised um, salary cap. No, the other one. The revised uh, residency rules, because presumably he can go and play for England after three years. Uh, he he would be able to, yeah. Not, but it, it, that won't be what his focus is on. It, his focus will be on. He thinks he will get a better contract if he um, is available for twenty-two of the twenty-two Premiership seasons. Yeah, there is than that. Sixteen of the Premiership seasons. Or guess what? You're going to Zebra for five pound fifty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because as soon as you're not EQP, I hate this. You know, I absolutely hate it. Like, if you've if you've grown up in England and you've supported an English team all of your all of your life, and you are English, but you know you've got a grandparent from Ireland, you should be able to play here, and there shouldn't be any limits to what you should be able to play and when you should be able to play, just because you've decided to you know follow a, <laughs> you know, play for a different country. I think it's absurd. Actually, it's so immoral. It's so yeah, immoral. That, that one. So he he would still be available for Gloucester um, academy credits, but he wouldn't be available as an an EQP space yeah. because uh, unless unless he requalifies or plays for three years without playing for Italy, he's no longer English qualified. Yeah, so actually he's doing two things there, isn't he? He's making sure that he is available for the games, and then on top of that, he's trying to get his EQP back. 
Yeah, because he, he realizes he's more valuable in England with EQP. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got to be... Yeah, when you look at it like that, it's not quite so simple because if you're a fringe player, maybe you can't afford to go and play for Italy because that could be the end of your premiership contract. God, yeah. it's so unfair. Yeah. It's so unfair. If you're born here, if you're born in England, why you should be able to play for an English team. And, you know, mm. the, the RFU have got, you know, their thumb on the scales just because you want to make the most from your professional career. It makes me so angry, actually. I can, I can feel my blood pressure rising. <laughs> when, when, when it's put like that, it does feel unfair. Well, also, as we've talked about many times, and I have come around to your perspective on this, I understand why it's the case, but it also feels really unfair. Maru Otoji, for example, and but you know, take pick any player you like, have worked so hard and got themselves to such a level of performance. They want to play for their country desperately because it means that much. Mm. Not e- even more than the cash, it just means that much to play for their country. And yet, their their potential earnings are limited. Yeah, I mean, if if they want to achieve that dream they've had since they were a boy. Yeah, I mean, limited earnings and Maratoji are not really two um, two phrases that are found in the same sentence very very often. Um, but I definitely get the point. I definitely get. I definitely definitely get the point that you know, there's so many lads out there who've worked so hard, and they would be better if they played in France. You know, in the same way that so many Welsh players would be better if they played in in the Premiership. And then went back to Wales, or you know, or, or at least, or at least have some sort of recognition of. Do you know what? Fair play. You, you can have a. You could. You you won't lose your England place if you go over to France for. God. I don't know. Yeah. For, for a couple of years. Oh, Maybe if it's. Ireland used to offer sabbaticals, so Keith Wood played for Harlequins on a sabbatical. New, New Zealand and Australia do it. Yeah, but they 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 tend to do it for six months in Japan. On well, I wonder why that would be half a million, half a million pounds for six months with no injury risk or very limited injury risk. To be fair, Dan Carter did go to Perpignan and was ended very quickly by Harry Ellis. Is it? Is it about six minutes? Was it Harry Ellis? I, I seem to remember he played maybe two games and it was like six minutes into his second game. Yeah, I'm he was sure out, about... out then for six months. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Harry Ellis ended him somehow. Anyway. It, do you know i feel that we need to move off this topic because a yep 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 we're going around in circles and i just feel myself going to rant about diver- like they talk about the importance of diversity but the only diversity which they don't actually care about in fact there's many types of diversity they don't care about but one in particular particularly they don't care about is diversity of experience like how many lads have made it in english clubs who are welsh or how many lads like matt simons would do great going to new zealand for a few years to sort of Sharpen up their skills before coming back. It's a nonsense. These rules are an app. They're a tyrannical nonsense. It needs to be binned. What other games did people see? Um, well, yeah, um, well, the Northampton are the team we haven't mentioned who are in fourth. Yes. I mean, they've just they've kind of snuck up. Yeah, not out of no, not out of nowhere, but they've crept up. Because they've been winning enough, whilst other teams have been losing enough. It hasn't been that Northampton have been on a huge surge of incredible form. They're still prone to the odd little blip. Yeah, they've had fewer of those blips than the teams around them. Yeah, if Northampton get into the playoffs, they'll be the least impressive team in the playoffs I can remember. And yeah, I mean that. It's they're just not that good. They're not. They're not tough enough in my mind. 
to um, get in the top four. Well, but which of course is completely to, wrong because they're credit, in the top four. You've got to give them credit for the the manner of the comeback. That took some. I mean, it's Bath, who have been prone to throwing <laughs> throwing unassailable winning positions out of the window like it's going out of fashion this season. Yeah. But um, nevertheless. To, to, to do it in the manner they did shows they've definitely got something about them. They do have some big game players, and you know maybe we need to maybe you need to put give Northampton no, another watch, JB, with some fresh eyes because maybe you've made up your mind about them already. And it's I have cognitive I, I, going I, on. I absolutely have made up my mind, and um, yeah, I've not I've not even seen the highlights of of this game because it's Northampton versus Bath. Um, I expected Northampton, Northampton. I mean, the fact that they didn't smash Bath, I guess, is a sad indictment. You were predicting Bath to win last week. Yeah, well, I lied. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was. I've I've only seen the highlights. Uh, It looked like a good game. And Bath scored some nice tries. Spencer got a couple. Will Muir always looks great. Um, He's he's, he's probably the first name on the team sheet in that Bath team when there's so many stars around him. He just looks fantastic every time. Yeah, agreed. But Uh, Bath, (laughs) I, I can just... I feel like the the clickbait headlines for Bath. Are, you would not believe the lead that Bath have blown this week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> five unusual ways for Bath to blow a lead. <laughs> they just they just can't help themselves and throw it away. So they had they. This is why energy. Bath Council want rugby banned. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the team so they don't want you to know about. They were they were. Um, I think Northampton had to score three tries to win in the last ten minutes. No and chance. Freeman Freeman's try was was super. He's a, a bit of a. It's kind of two half missed tackles, but he did brilliantly to sneak through and stay on his feet and score. Then there's the penalty try. Then there's the the yellow card. Then there's the Mikey Haywood in the last minute um, to eighty oh, third minute to win the game, and it's. It would be uh, unbelievable if it didn't just keep happening to Bath. Yeah, I would love the Bath job. I mean, that's a job that I would love. I, I really would. Uh, how can you do worse? You can't do worse, can you? You can't be worse at that um, job I, than the current people I just, are. I just want to um, bring something up. Do you remember how long ago it was when I mentioned, I'm not sure about Farley House, maybe they're too soft up there. Maybe it's yeah, yeah, too yeah. nice. They need to get back to Lambridge in that hut and just go and slug it out on on a on a patch. They're moving out of Farley House because it's made them soft. No, are you, are you serious? I'm serious. That 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 was the. Um, That's not official, is it? Yeah, they're they're looking at they're looking at moving out out of Farley House, which is an incredible place because the thought is that it um it hasn't been the place to foster. The, the, the level of rugby they need to achieve. I mean, so this is what I would just, say. I just, to... just, just saying, like two yeah. seasons ago, I called it. So maybe give me the give me a job at Bath. <laughs> well, I, yeah, look, I, I think it's one thing to, I think it's one thing, isn't it, to say something very, very humorous and semi-true on a um, on a podcast and have a joke about it. It's a completely different thing when, as a head of a def- of a professional rugby outfit, you think the problem with your out- with your whole program is Farley House. I mean, it's not, is it? I, you know, I, I 100% get the point. But if they're actually taking this as a way to improve, they are they are wrong. I mean, the whole 
the, the whole structure is absolutely rotten. No, no, I've I've been to Farley House, and it isn't it isn't just that it's an opulent building with amazing grounds and individual baths. It um, it, it isn't just that. It's that you're you're in the middle of nowhere, and you know what? Like when you're trying to foster that kind of team spirit and and stuff just we, we joke about coffee with the boys yeah but that that is how it works but you know tim where do you think they go for coffee with the boys when they go to carrington i mean there is no i mean literally there is a carrington has a power station there's some sewage works there's a load of cows uh ashton on mersey rugby club is there that is it there is no i mean there you go there's nothing in carrington. imagine, imagine that, that maybe 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 you just got to the bottom of what's going wrong wrong at sale yeah, yeah, but what's what's going right at Manchester City? <laughs> I, yeah, they're also Carrington. I'd, I'd, they're they're in town. This, no, you are this. you are right, Tim. They were at Carrington because now Sale are in the old Carrington ground. Hang on, but United are doing great. No, oh, no, they're not. No, also they're not. in Carrington. <laughs> and, You're uh, Leicester, Leicester are doing great. They train into town. They can go coffee with the boys. Up Wait there. a second, so. Where is the optimum place for a, a team to train? Like city centre of Singapore? <laughs> Downtown Singapore. <laughs> Downtown Singapore. Um I'd I'd love to I'd love to see the studies on, on the performance in the different sports. Like where where do where do the New England Patriots train? Now they are their facility is so bleak. It is so bleak. Like it's uh, like I've, I've talked about, we, we've talked before Toulon won three consecutive Heineken Cups when they were changing in porter cabins and basically yeah Johnny Wilkinson was just keeping them in line wasn't he yeah how do you how do you account for the F1 teams though because I mean that is opulence personified <laughs> isn't it really but mind it's you also, it's, re- it's also a machine yeah it's also relative op- opulence because everyone's op- it, maybe it's the it yeah, you know, it, it it's the variance. There, there there is something in this, Tim, and it needs and it needs mm. further thought. Yes. Well, yeah, and also the um, I'm just trying to think the it was the ah uh, was it the Oakland or was it LA Raiders at the time that that sort of team of well that, that team of just hard nuts that were all rough around the edges. Oakland, tough lads. The original from, one was from Oakland, in, yeah. From inner city, Oakland, yeah. 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 Um. The massive linebacker who said he could beat up a gorilla, Alazadia or something like that. <laughs> also, it is all relative. Like the going to a rough part of Bath is opulent by anyone else's standards. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very true. Mm. Let's do some predictions for next week because I don't. Well, the, the, unless you want to talk two, about the other games, which I don't. There were two other games. Uh, I was going to say. Uh, so, so, well, let's just apologise to Northampton. JB will go and watch your team, who are now in the top four position. I've seen them before he makes. I've seen them. I, 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 I didn't bother watching it. No, 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 sorry, I, I saw. I saw them live at Gloucester, and I thought I'll never watch these guys again. Uh, as long as Courtney, <laughs> as long as Courtney Laws isn't playing, I'll never watch these guys. Well, ever again. It's a big game this this Friday night, though, isn't it? Involving them. Uh, oh, but you were going to you were going to mention the other two games you haven't mentioned, Phil. Only briefly in passing because they were they were very one sided affairs. So uh, London Irish went away to Newcastle and beat them forty two fourteen. Wasps were at home against Worcester Warriors and beat them in an almost identical scoreline forty one twelve. Two pretty poor performances by Worcester and Newcastle. Two pretty solid um, performances by Wasps and New and London Irish. 
One little bit of news that was rumoured for a little while, but I think it was announced last week or last weekend, is the signing of Will Hayden Woods, WHW, by Wasps to add... So they've now got a trio of young English fly halves playing mm. at Wasps. Well, more. Because... Uh, um, at at Al- least a trio. Yeah, Ali Crosdale started off as a fly half, and he's incredibly talented. He's a, he's a, he's a winger fullback. That, well, yeah, he, not he, for he Sudbury, wasn't his locker. Oh, speaking of Sudbury, I'm glad you mentioned that. Did you see that little... Like, oh, God. Of, I, I, of, I don't of, want to talk of, about this. Of, of the two kids. You don't like it. <laughs> don't you want not, to talk it's about not it? for me. It's not for me. I don't like it. I, I don't like it. I quite, I quite like the passion. One kid <sighs> pumping up the tyres of his mate who's clearly yeah. upset and thinks he's too small to play rugby. His mate's telling him how amazing he is and uh, and back they trot on onto I, the rugby pitch. I just feel like I want to punish the, 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 the more inspirational kid like for getting above his station. I, I don't know what it is. I, find it, I, I, just, I don't like it. Save what it. happened, JB? I, I, we need to get got, you. On, there's a whole podcast in JB on the rugby. You talked. You joked about the Talksport couch. Let's have JB's <laughs> couch. Let's, let's let's delve into your background and no, no. work out uh, work out what happened. If I said what I was, what I what I what I really thought about many subjects, we wouldn't even have a podcast. A cast to take us down. <laughs> so, well, ju- just on that signing, on the face of it, I thought that's a bit odd. You've you've already got two players vying for one position. Yeah. Who are both similar age, similar talent levels, both both very good. You're adding a third in there. And then I thought, hang on a minute. So Umaga does play a bit of 15. Atkinson can also play a f- bit of 15. And if you had... So I wonder if they're actually looking at... If Blackett is looking at 10 and 15 as almost interchangeable positions... So instead of having three players vying for one position, you've got three players vying for two positions. Nice. And if you said, well, you've got three centres um, playing for two positions, like, for example, um, the elegant Henry Slade, the enormous um, Ian Witten, and the diminutive Tom Hendrickson mm-hmm. vying for the two positions, you wouldn't think that was weird. So maybe it's just a different way of looking at uh, the fly half and fullback rules yeah and just on that wasps are always very clever with their recruitment i mean i think mm. they're one of the most underrated teams when it comes to recruitment they i don't know if it's an accident or what but they seem to pick up lads particularly from newcastle actually uh Kibberigi, watson now uh, will haydenwood and they just seem to kick on really nicely there oh so, not, not to mention the championship oh yeah sorry of course yeah. many times yeah yeah uh, so they just know what they're doing um a few years ago it felt to me as if wasps went out and just looked for lads with raw with raw speed because that's how they thought they would get out of this hole, which is just have a certain type of player. And they seem to have moved away from that. Uh, it's interesting what you say about the fly half fullback sort of interchangeability. Well, I, I think you've got Alex some, Good some is that. that. I mean, he is a, a, an out and out fullback, and he is one of the best still. But he he does that have definitely have that in his locker, and Saracens use him in look, in that look, in that fashion. Look who played ten for Northampton this week. In Furbank, mm-hmm. yep, and who played ten for Ulster this week in Mike Lowry. Mike Lowry. Maybe it's not as crazy as it first seems. No, not not at all. And if, Bodie if somebody, and Mac, and uh, yeah, when they've been interchangeable for New Zealand. And don't forget Tigers with Burns today. Yes, uh, yeah, great point. Yeah. So, mm. so uh, and if, that's, if, that's, if, an, if, that's a good point. If one coach was going to exploit it, Lee Blackett would be the man. Yeah, I agree. With Agreed. That. 
good point that. Well good made, point. Phil. Well, I, well I, spotted. Yeah, and what well, well I'm mentioning those results now. Just, just on that. So London Irish play Wasps this weekend, uh, next Sunday, and that's a really interesting one because the if I don't want the top eight to be what goes to the Champions Cup, but but if that is the case, one good team is going to miss out on top eight, and it could be London Irish. They could slip. Uh, down out of the top eight to ninth, it, it could be Wasps. Um, so that's a big game, that one. Oh my God, imagine if uh, Sale just worth mentioning that as we wrap it eight. up. Sale, Sale could not finish in the top eight as well. I don't even want to think about that. I don't even want to think about yeah. it. Yeah. But but I just did want to mention um, just quickly before, because th- that just reminded me of the point. There was an email that I should have got to. James Parrott made a great shout on a Champions Cup format. Uh, this won't happen because it's too logical but Chris Boyd and uh, various other coaches were complaining that the month of May there's several clubs that are only going to have one match at the end of the month because there's two weekends of European Rugby Premiership Cup and then someone finishes before then the Premiership returns then the Premiership returns at the end of the month so there's some teams that are going to have three empty weekends before their next Premiership game after next weekend imagine Northampton being one yeah Imagine trying Sale to, being another. Imagine trying to round up all those boys back from Dubai on time. It, exactly. It's going to be a... So James, James Parrott's been getting in touch with thoughts on the Champions Cup being a post-season competition. So I like that idea. You do, the pre- you do the Premiership, that wraps up, would have probably wrapped up already. And then based on your positions right then and there, not in last season, you then go straight forward into Europe. So I hate to blow our own horn. Eventually into a straight knockout competition. Yeah, I, I hate to blow our own horn because it's not like us, is it? We don't like doing that. Of course, that. I, 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 know, I know you hate that. Absolutely. If you need to, you should, JB. Let me encourage you. Well, we've also, there's also another another massive benefit of this, which, um, I, you know, I, so this is why I completely support it. You have the Premiership first and the Premiership finishes and then Europe should stop. Two reasons for that. One, for the exact reason that James Parrott said. Two, because it's fair. And the reason it's fair is that if you're not in the Heineken Cup, you don't need to spread the same salary across two different competitions. So once you finish the Premiership, the Premiership is now contested by 13 teams, maybe 14 in the future, or maybe 12, whatever the powers that be decide. And it is literally level footing, because you don't need to balance, balance the squad. And then at the end of that... Um, of that season in the Premiership, the top eight for that year, or maybe the previous year, I'm not sure. I'm I'm, I'm easy on that. Can go forward into into the European Cup, and then you just pro rata the pay for the players, uh, and they get more money to play in Europe. And because they're likely to be out statistically, aren't they? By the time you know they get to semi-finals or quarter-finals or group stage or whatever it is, it's not even going to be that much of an extra burden on the on the club but for the players they get an extra bonus in their pay packet for making it into the group stages of the Heineken Cup and I like that for the premiership um it's much fairer for teams com- competing on both fronts yeah I, I, I've been a big fan of this kind of way of thinking and the, the details obviously need to be sorted but I'm I've been convinced for a long time that something like that is the only way that you can sort out the global season as well yeah because you can mirror the Northern Hemisphere, Southern Hemisphere um, competitions as well and then create specific 
um, independent international windows that aren't jammed in the middle of, like at the moment for the, for the Northern Hemisphere teams, the um, Six Nations and Autumn Internationals are jammed in between Premiership or Top 14 or Ultimate Fighting Rugby or whatever it's called and Champions Cup Rugby. Yeah. It's horrific congestion yeah. for for everything around it. And not only that, right? There's a thing about the URC, isn't there, where you don't really know who's very good. I mean, there are, and that's not saying there's not good teams there. Everyone mistakes that for me saying there's not good teams. There's excellent teams. But, you know, if you were to look at a random URC game, you'd be like, who are these who are these clowns? Like, who who is dressed up in the in um, in, in the Ospreys kit? Who are clearly not Ospreys? Uh, yeah, and the same would be said for Munster and Leinster. You'd read the team sheets and not have a clue who these people are. Now, the reason they do that, or one of the reasons, is because they go full tilt when it gets to Europe. Take Europe off them. Let them concentrate on their own domestic league. It will be better for them. It will be better for their fans. It will be better for that competition, which in turn you know has all sorts of other benefits. And by the time we get to the end of all of these domestic competitions, imagine the chatter. Oh, my God. These guys in the URC have been tearing up. They're, they're brilliant. Meanwhile, over in England, we're going, oh, Leicester Tigers this year. I'm not sure who can beat Leicester Tigers. The French are talking the same way. It'd be so cool to see these teams go at it because, well, it would just be really, really cool. Uh, and also for the teams that don't make it, well, be, be better. Yeah. You've go. <laughs> yeah. you got a nice long summer to go and think about it. Yeah, that's exactly how it should be done. And you're going to earn, like, and like you say, you're going to you get a direct financial performance related pay. Yeah, I re- I really like that. Can you? Just, yeah, I like that yeah, a lot. I, I I like it. I think it's a good option. The problem is we'll never see it because uh, there are too, too many conflicting interests that need a line in in order to get it done. You but it would it would be it would be the best thing for everyone if you could get it done. But people you say that, will, Phil. But like. That to me seems like something which could actually be done. Why could it not be done? Um, I think, I think the difficulty will be uh, teams foregoing games to get it done. So reducing the season. If you could guarantee that every team still gets the same number of home games, that's where you can get a benefit. Sorry, sound like an idiot. Why would they get less home games? Well, if you, yeah, you so you could have the same format of the competition just rearranged so yeah. it begins after the premiership finishes. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. maybe. I mean, Sorry, maybe... I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking like Super Rugby is normally about 15 games. Yeah. But whereas right, yeah. premiership is 24 games a season, URC is probably something similar. Top 14 is 100 games. Yeah, I wouldn't advocate... I mean, at the moment, all I'm advocating for is just moving the premiership from yeah. September to... The only problem may well be is if the Premiership playoffs and final sort of end up in the middle of Six Nations. Well, that, mm. this, this is, and this is where you've got to align all the interests. So yeah, one, so, what, so, what, so what you would do, yeah, so you would go Premiership until the, uh, until the Six Nations, mm. Premier, Premiership Cup during Six Nations, and then the, the playoffs after Six Nations. Followed yeah. by Europe. Do you think though there might? Do you think that having your playoffs straight after the Six Nations is? Do you think it would increase? Oh yeah, no, the interest in the competition, or do you think people would be a bit like, yeah, we've had our Six Nations film out, just turn off from? No, run. no, no. You'd have to finish the Premiership, roll into Six Nations, and then Europe off the back. And then to in order to do that without losing Premiership games, 
you're talking about starting like mid June, yeah, mid July, <laughs> and then this is where the problem comes because then when do you fit in? When do you so to, to get twenty six to get twenty six game weeks in prior to February? You've got to start in July or this is why expanding the premiership expanding the premiership just to make sure all the shareholders are in and then shutting the door. It it uh, Well, hang on a minute. It might solve one it might solve one problem from the owner's point of view, but it the last the last thing we need is more shareholders. Believe you me. That's the last (laughs) thing you want. Less shareholders would be better. Well, yeah, or to, or a French model with fewer teams in each league, and say two, uh, twenty full-time professional teams. No, in two, le- in two leagues of ten with the TV money spread throughout. I don't know. I don't know. If you can think of the answer, you're a be- you're a better man than me. Yeah, I I can't think of an answer without reducing the number of games. And you um, are a better man than me. So, and then that's Good. that. That's where you, it's never going to get off the ground. No, I know. Good effort, James Parrot. Um. Just, just, just one point because I think it is interesting. JB, you mentioned the the um, Leinster as an example of a team who um, will put out a second string for some of the URC games and then a first string for Europe. Did you see the Leinster lineup this week? No. Did so they go obviously, full they... sorry. Did they go full ball? Not exactly. <laughs> now, understandably, because they've, they've got Europe around and they've got, well, pretty much their entire first team is, are Ireland internationals. Oh, they put, fr- they've they flown put, to South Africa, haven't they? They were in Durban playing the Sharks. I did know this. And they've got the DHL Stormers next week. And they, they have they put out a... It's not quite a full second string because Andrew Porter did play and Max Deegan played. Besides that, I'd not heard of most of these guys. I'd never even heard of them. Oh, but they and, loved it. Lads were going for a fortnight in South Africa. And the it's Sharks. Not really, the point four, is it? <laughs> the, the Sharks had four World Cup winners starting. Wow. Against basically Leinster kids. And Leinster only lost by five points in the last five minutes or so. Wow. It shows the, the depth of the production line at Leinster. Wow. They've got serious, serious. And they, Play, so Bongo Mbambi was playing, Thomas Toy was playing, Springbok World Cup winning captain Sia Khaleesi. Wow. Uh, Mapimpi scored a try. They, they're just a very good Sharks team. And the Leinster kids can match them for 75 minutes. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, yeah. It's not really the point, though, is it? Well, it's, it's, it's a point. It's <laughs> yeah, a point. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely a point. Yeah, I think we can all agree. Yeah, we can all agree on it being a point. It is it, a well, point. if URC want to expand their league, they can just give Leinster two teams, basically. I do wonder when. So you mentioned there or hinted, Tim, at the Ealing announcement. I do wonder if there'll be a play for Ealing and possibly some others to join the URC. London Scottish, maybe. I just, I just wonder, and I know it's been hinted at that you've got the tier two. Um, Europe Nations Club Championship thing with teams from Spain and Portugal and Georgia, Germany and the Tel Aviv heat tearing it up. I just wonder if there'll be some a, a wider European league 
considered. The thought yeah. did cross my mind as well, Phil. Well, do you know? When I saw, when I saw them step back from that. So, which I've never really been aware of because I'm not that keyed into London Irish. Um, I know you know people who are, Tim. But again, this is more of a, more of a historical thing. But when I used to do the press conferences uh, on Zoom, well, they still are on Zoom, but you, you know, just you dial in and, and watch it. Um, the guy at Rugby Pass, whose name escapes me, Liam someone, who is Irish, mentioned this question to Declan Kidney. And it is really, really interesting because, of course, it sort of fed into their history and what they're about, which was effectively, are you open to taking IRFU players? Because that's what I think London... I mean, I certainly remember Malcolm O'Kelly playing for Ireland and also for London Irish back back in the day. And I think that's where London Irish would quite like themselves to be, is in a sort of semi-partnership with the Irish Union, but also playing premiership. But you can tell by the answer of Declan Kidney who, again, is steeped in Irish rugby history. Um, it's very very political. So the answer is, well, look, we're an English they, they club. Need, well, they need to be very careful because if it was seen by other premiership clubs that they were getting subsidised players, effectively. Well, that that's not, it, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. That wouldn't go down well. Just lending, you know, lending uh, Lens to B team for half the year. No, it would go down absolutely terribly. But you can see that's what they would like to be doing because, of course, Irish heritage and whatnot. Yeah, but they would have to uh, comply with the EQP players' rules. Yes, as well. of course they would. Of course they would. I completely forgot about that. So, but so, you, An- you An- do... Antoine O'Frish will be all right for a little bit. I'm sure. I'm sure there's plenty of it, not that it, hap- it comes up very frequently, but I'm sure there'll be plenty of Irish players who have at least one English grandparent. Well, do you know, like if the Irish to qualify- make them EQP? I mean, I would love to do this, you know, because I just feel now you mentioned that. You know the the mischief maker in me wants to do it now, which is just go find Irish players who are one hundred percent Irish and have no intention of doing anything other than playing for Ireland, and stack up a Premiership team full of EQP Irish players, uh, feeding back into the Irish system. You can imagine the outrage, can't, can't you? Hundred percent, yeah. Oh, it'd be glorious. And they're getting they're rejecting call ups to the England squad left, right, and centre. Nope, no. Like Eddie Jones is sending his uh, minions down there to lie to players, telling them they're fifty cap hookers, um, and just just no response. In fact, even better, they don't even let Eddie Jones through the door. <laughs> Sorry, no need for you here, pal. But what about your EQP players? Don't worry about them; they'll be fine. <laughs> right, let's wrap, next... let's wrap up the fixtures then, Phil. What we got? So Friday night, two games. We've got Northampton hosting Harlequins. Tasty. Quins away win, oh away win, yeah, yeah, and then I think I think this will be a well, big a good hook. chance to a good chance to have a good look at Saints again, JB with with fresh eyes. Well, got, J, well, JB co- will be at the AJ Bell for Sale versus Falcons. I will be. He, oh, I wonder if um, King of the North is going to be be, be be there. Which Carl, one, Carl Ferns? Oh, yeah, that's exciting. Ferns Bowl, Ferns Bowl, Ferns yeah. Bowl. Um, that's going to be a big home win. Yeah, you would hope agreed. so. You would hope so. Then uh, on Saturday, Gloucester host Bath. Gloucester host home win. Bath. Home Gloucester. Win. Tigers host Bristol. Home win. Home win. I just got a horrible feeling about this one. I've got a horrible feeling that Bristol will do something, but home win. No home win. Uh, and Worcester host Saracens. Away win. Away win. Pretty easy run of results, then. Might put a uh, accumulator on it. 
And then final one, which I think this is the most difficult game of the weekend to predict, is Irish host Wasps. Mm, that is this difficult. was an absolutely incredible game this time last season. This has which one was, which one was that? Was it one million to to, Tom Wilmot's last minute winning try? Uh, It was an epic game. Interesting. Um, There is there is one other notable game next weekend, which is I'll go for I think I'll go for uh, home win. Give me what? That is that's tight, tough to call that. Give me what? Give me a draw. Give me a really high scoring draw. (laughs) Irish love a draw. They do high scoring one in particular. Um, One one of the notable game this weekend which is the culmination of the women's six nations finally we get to see an actual meaningful game um, involving England or France and it's England versus France in France at uh, 2.15 May the best team win and there's the Army-Navy game as well oh Christ I'm going to that yeah I'm off to Army-Navy and Tim's working Army-Navy yeah nice Marathon for the first time well so the, there's only been two times in the past when an army navy game didn't happen. Uh, the first world war, the second world war, and the last and last year. Really? Yeah. It's COVID madness, nonsense. Um, yeah. So yeah. So I was having a chat to one of, um, well, a, a guy that I do CrossFit with, who is in the army, and uh, we were talk, talking about this. He says it gets pretty loose, as you might expect. But then we. Then we had a step back and we thought, if every single member of the army showed up to Twickenham, I don't think there is enough uh, enough people in the army anymore to fill it up, which is uh, quite sad. Oh, that's really mm. sad. Yeah, so what's Twickenham? 80,000. I think the army's... Eight, oh, actually, the army's about 85,000, I think. Uh, but I'm not sure if it's fully staffed. So <laughs> there might not be enough soldiers to, to fill, up, fill up Twickenham, which would be, you know, not good. But it's the first ever doubleheader as well, the, the men's and women's. Yeah, so. I don't know which. Do you know the women's have, women playing first or second? Second. Oh, are they? Okay, excellent. It should be a phenomenal weekend. So I'm looking so, forward to that. Yeah. So I'll, after the women's game, I'll come and find you, JB. I'll be hanging around with the uh, adjutant adjutant general's call. Yeah, uh, you know, just doing that. Lovely. Yep. Very much looking forward to it. Uh, uh, I, yeah. Yeah. I'll leave it there. Yeah. We'll we'll have stories to tell next Sunday yeah we will we absolutely will <laughs> okay right well there we go um, another podcast in oh, oh, hang on do you still say in the can Tim is, is that is that a bit old hat because we haven't actually put in a can have we but you know. <laughs> uh, yeah it's, that, that's a relic from uh, analogue times when you'd have actual reel to reel audio tape yeah yeah that's in, exactly. in a physical can but yeah, well, know, the metaphor works mate it's in the can yeah, it, let, the, let the boys play. Indeed. Yeah, we'll be sending out the vinyls first first, th- first thing tomorrow morning. So uh, look forward to that. Uh, in the meantime, contact us at Egg Chasers, uh, contact eggchasers at gmail.com. Don't contact us on uh, on Twitter and do subscribe to, uh, subscribe to Patreon. So from me, Tim and Phil, let the boys play.